episode 101. A lot less pressure. Pressure's off. <laughs> I'm glad that 100 is history, but yeah. it could be a somber edition of Mitch Unfiltered. Already? Episode 101. Yeah, we have some really, really bad news to start the old episode off. I huh. hate to say, uh, normally we keep the, the sad news, the RIPs for the other stuff segment. That's right. Not this one. You got to get out and right, tell right. Us. We got to get it out of the way. Okay. Some really bad news. It's over. It's all over. Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers. Is that right? Yep. Did you know? Did you not no, know? I you didn't were in know. a cabin. You were at a cabin with some friends, so you've kind of been out of touch. Yep. A little bit, yeah. Danica and Aaron are history after two years. And the reason we know is because she unfollowed him on Instagram. There had been rumors and speculation. <laughs> Don't you hate our society these days? <laughs> a sentence you never thought you would say. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding you. There had been some rumors. I guess yeah. they didn't come to the ESPYs together. Oh. And he played in that golf tournament where all the celebrity uh, sports athletes played that, that one golf tournament last week in, in Reno or Tahoe. Yeah. yeah. And she didn't she normally comes with them there. Oh. She wasn't with them. So there's been all kinds of speculation that there's that there's a problem. I'm wondering whether she questioned his height. Because that's oh. always a problem with Aaron Rodgers. Deal breaker, isn't it? <laughs> One mention, he's out. Have you watched the 60 Minutes? Did you see the 60 Minutes piece years and years and years ago about him? No. About the whole height thing? That's where, that's where that whole thing came up. But tell me again how tall he is. I thought he was like six feet. He's 6'2". I think he's 6'2". What's his issue? But he doesn't like, I guess a lot of people over the years have come up to him and said, gosh, you're not as big in person as I would have expected. And it, he's very sensey poo. <laughs> He's very, very sensitive. And it happened while they were running the cameras on the 60. He, they did a 60 minutes like in, uh, this is like 10 years ago, okay. eight, eight years ago. They did a whole piece on him. And he hated the piece. He objected to the piece. But it aired anyway? I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was okay. nice. It was, right. it was a really nice piece, though he didn't like it. <laughs> um, and while they were rolling the cameras, they, they were with him for like a week doing this piece okay. on 60 Minutes, while they were rolling the cameras, they were at some event that he went to, and a guy came up not knowing that he was on camera. He's like, hey, Aaron, God, you're, you're, you're shorter than I would have expected. And, and, and you see, he's like, I don't really appreciate, I don't appreciate that. Oh, really? And he got mad. <laughs> wow. And they, and they played that on the piece. Oh, he didn't like he didn't that like image, that. yeah. Now, has anyone like ever said that about your nose and when they meet you? Not, you know, it's That not- it's smaller than it looks, <laughs> than you would have thought? Yeah. Uh, Does that ever come up? Well, if they did, I, I didn't see them because I was blocked out <laughs> right. by the uh, lunar eclipse. No, the, no one's ever really said that about my. I thought they bought a house together, those two. Like a, I'm telling you, they were lovebirds. It looked really good. It was kind of a. It was kind of a a maiden heaven match. Sports, yeah. athletic, power Danica, couple. Yeah, yeah, Danica Patrick and Aaron Rock. Nope. They built, I thought they bought it's a house over. in Los Angeles. It's and the reason house. we know for sure oh is gosh. she unfollowed him on Instagram. <laughs> That's amazing. What a weird time we're living in. <laughs> this is episode 101 of Mitch Unfiltered, and there he is. You hear the voice of Hotshot Scott wearing a 43 hat that was delivered to you by your sister, right? That is correct, sir. You know, for Nick Bell, Hotshot Scott, all the great 43s. Yeah, not too many. Yeah. Oh, Bubba Wallace as well. That's probably... Is Bubba Wallace's car 43? It is. Is that his signature? I can't... It's kind of dark. I yes, can't see I'm it. wearing a Bubba Wallace hat. And I admit I'm a bit of a poser because I don't watch NASCAR really that much, but my okay. sister is a huge fan. What does a poser and- mean? Poser means you act like you love something when you really don't. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Really. So like if you're, um, I don't know, if you like, pretend like you love Star Wars right. just to fit in. But no, you're I don't pretend really, that I love yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, you definitely don't. You're, <laughs> I'm not a poser. You're not a poser on anything. You make it very clear when I'm you don't I'm not a poser like on Star Wars. I don't know if I'm a poser <laughs> on anything else. So yes, the Bubba Wallace app. All right. Mitch Unfiltered is just about everywhere where podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can subscribe for free to the Monday shows and you can drop us a rating and review. In fact, Apple allows you to not only rate us one to five stars, but then to drop a, you know, a paragraph on how yeah, you feel. Sure. I love reading them. Like uh, this last one that I saw, uh, one star, another one star <laughs> rating. I didn't get the name of the or the, the username of the guy who, who left this. It says, hmm, so much talent, too self-absorbed. Now, listen, listen to what he writes, and then you tell me whether there's a little something at the end that, that shows his hand, his poker hand a okay. little bit. Cocky tendencies undermine otherwise almost believable attempt at contrition. Too self-absorbed, that said, smart, talented, and charismatic. Okay. Though not my first love, wish Mitch could overcome bias and give Sounders some love. Uh, now, yeah. <laughs> That's a tell. We call that a tell in the poker world. Now, I'm not here to say that I'm not cocky. I'm not here to say that I'm not too self-absorbed. Yeah. I'm not here to say... Uh, Talented? Ta- well, I, I, I'll i argue that. All right. But it seems to me that we have stumbled upon yeah. a sensi-poo soccer fan yeah. that doesn't like the way we treat soccer on Mitch Unfiltered. Which, by the way, I don't think and we... And gave us a one star as a result of it. We don't treat soccer unfairly. I mean, we've both said we don't watch it. We're not fans, but I don't think we rip it, do we? We sit around bashing soccer all day? I think what we do is we're not educated and we giggle a little bit uh, about match, goaltender. We kind of, the pitch. I think I think within our tenor, mm. there's a dismissive attitude to soccer, and I, okay. I probably shouldn't be that way, but... It's just I I don't I don't mean I, I think it's it's fun just to see I I've said this all along I think soccer fans are like <laughs> the most sensitive fans of any sports fans in the world. Is there an inferiority complex? Yes, yeah, okay. there's got to be. Yeah, yeah, because it never gets talked about. Because what so. I always say is, look, golf. Let's take golf. I am a golf snob. I'm a golf lover. Yep. There are billions sure of says people. Golf on it. <laughs> Does it? There you God. go. Anyway, yes. Okay. Yes, you are a golf I'm fan. A go- I'm a golf fan. <laughs> yeah. I love golf. I could talk to you about golf all day and all night. There are billions of sports fans out there in the world that hate golf and don't even consider it a sport, right? Yeah, sure. And we'll tell you, as soon as you start talking golf on your radio show, I turn the channel. As soon as you ta- start talking golf on your podcast, I fast forward. It's boring. It puts me to sleep. It's not even a... I don't find, honest to God, and I'm telling you the truth, I'm looking you in the eye. Yeah. I take zero, not not 1% offense to that. Yeah. I take zero. It doesn't bother me in the least that lots and lots of people make fun of me or don't like and puts, put golf down. Yeah. I'm telling you, now somebody would say, oh, you, you're, you're really sad. I'm not. I don't care. It really doesn't bother me. Yet soccer... People, if you do, if you say the same thing about soccer that people say about, oh my God, forget about it. Yeah. You get a one star on Apple. That's right. <laughs> That's a great way to get a one star. I did an MLS story on the last uh, podcast, as a matter of fact. Did you? A team dropped out. I, you know, covering it a little bit. Can he go back and now give us like two? He should. Yeah, I think because he should. his one really drags us down. Right. I know. 
yeah, the like, overall score. It's like it's like your grade point average. If you fail one class and you get all A's on the other, I mean, it just it, it yanks you down. I'm a 4.92 on Uber. So somebody gave me like a one. One driver gave me a one, and I'm, I'm no longer a perfect five on Uber. I'm a 4.92. Because, you know, the drivers can rate you. If you're a real oh, asshole, they'll give really? you a one. Oh, yeah. I thought you rate the drivers. You do both. I don't take Uber very often, but I always give a five star. Yeah, well... You should check your rating sometime. You can see what, what you are. Really? Yeah, I'm a 4.92. And I, has that always been the case, or is that something new? I think it's always been the case. I've been, people have been rating me as a, as a passenger? <laughs> yes, they have. Okay, well, what, okay, <laughs> what do I, to, I don't think, what do I need to do to be a good passenger? I don't know. What, what marks a bad passenger? I think if you're just like a drunk asshole, maybe, oh. you know, ripping them or telling yeah. them how to drive. You know, you could just be a jerk, I oh, guess, geez. and that would do it. Yeah, I, I got to go. To, now you're giving me a compliment. <laughs> they gave me one, too. I'm I like, got to go check my Uber rating. I'm nothing but polite to all the drivers. I was thinking that you, what you were saying is that you're an Uber driver during the week now. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I realize you were talking that you're a passenger. <laughs> if if one show is not a week, uh, enough per week, by the way, of Mitch Unfiltered, you can become a patron. At uh, MitchUnfiltered.com and receive a second show every week on Thursdays, like we did 101P last Thursday. You haven't heard it yet because you you went away. We went uh, deep into the Quentin Dunbar thing with two different guests, and we also had a writer, an author on, uh, who wrote a book about that day in 1981 where President Ronald Reagan was shot. The assassination attempt of Ronald Reagan. Uh, Dear Mitch, I'm a patron since the beginning. And I think you could attract many more patrons if you shorten the Monday shows, which, by the way, I would hate. This is him writing. Okay. okay. I'm trying to figure this out. You and Scott give us so much on the regular shows that it is quality listening for the entire week. My guess is if the Monday shows were an hour or less, which I would hate, <laughs> you'd see more people signing up. Leave them wanting more, Mitch, which I would hate. Scott in Rockville, Maryland writes. All right, man. Our, well, our hey. Monday shows are too long. I used to talk about this with Jason Hamilton. Our, 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 our business model is flawed, that we do these two and a half, three-hour shows on Mondays that people can listen to in chunks the entire week. They don't need another show on Thursday. If we did a 45-minute show mm-hmm. on Mondays, they'd be finished with it by Tuesday, and they'd be looking for more Mitch and Scott, well, more Scott, or more Mitch on Thursdays. <laughs> episode, what do you think about that theory? Episode 101 is in the books. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see we're you guys done. later. We're done? That's it. 45 <laughs> minutes, I mean, that's like one story for you. Two stories, maybe, for 45 okay, minutes. Thank you, thank you, I mean, how would you possibly do 45 minutes? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. People aren't working. They're not driving as much now, maybe. Yeah. Maybe so it's hitting them, a little, it's hitting them different now. Because he's, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like when people are commuting, it'll take oh, you but, a But think about it. Two. The guy's got a point because it resonates me because, I mean, go back to when you were doing the morning show on Cube. Okay. Yeah, there's a section of your P1 listeners that had nothing to do, and they just sat there and listened all day. I I understand. But the vast, vast, vast majority of your listeners, of my listeners, you were doing mornings on Cube, I was doing mornings on KJR. How long are they really listening per show? Well, what did the program directors tell you? They always had like 13 minutes or 8 minutes. I don't remember what it is. That's why Cube played the same songs over and over. And then they would turn around. They wouldn't. I don't think most of them would then at night go back and say, okay, I missed four hours. They were on for four hours. I only heard 15 minutes on the way to work. I got to catch up on the other three hours and 45 minutes. No, what they did was they tuned in the next day for another 15 or 20 minutes. 
That's the point. That's the point that I think Scott's making. That we give, and, and it's, there's very few spots or commercials in. So we're giving people like two and a half hours on Monday of of programming, and then it's taking people a long time. They want to listen and listen and listen. They don't want to. They don't need another show on Thursday because they've got. Unless the Monday show is shorter, that, that I think that's what he's saying. I, I don't know whether you agree with it, you buy it, or not. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. know how to make these shows that much shorter. We could make them a little shorter. We like the three segments of guests. We like the two segments of you and I. Yeah. We like this tea segment before we start. We get warmed, kind of the warm up in the bullpen. Yeah, where are we cutting? I, like, I don't know. Yeah, as you say, my stories. <laughs> Let me tell you about my, my Uncle Mike. That's it. That's right. That's a story. That's How'd you like one it? One of your best. One of your all-time yeah, best I stories. I can't tell a short story. Yeah, well, it makes it better when you tell, you know. My brother, Sander. Now, you've met Sander and Jay. Do you know my two brothers? I've met the one who is not in the financial world. Okay, so you've met Jay, the oldest one. <laughs> Jay, yes. Sander, who is in the financial world. Yes. When he's with us and he senses that Mitch is about to tell a story, he literally, every, it's like clockwork. Short, short version. Give me the short version. <laughs> really? He wants the short version. He's got that math brain. Like, let's oh, just God. get to it. Get to short it. Short version. To it. <laughs> I don't have all day for this. That's funny. So. <laughs> 101, episode 101 in the guest lineup. Have you seen the tragic video of the burning building in Phoenix from July 3rd where the woman drops the kid? Yes, we talked about it on the last floor. episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we talked about that. Well, he's on. Philip Blanks, the man who ran, runs into the picture. Everybody's seen it. Millions and millions yeah, yeah. of views who ran into the picture and heroically dove and caught a three-year-old boy who was dropped from the third floor of a burning building and then ra- ran this kid to, to rescue, he's going to be on episode 101. That's a amazing. true life hero. Really a hero. And, and, yes. I, and I've already done this interview, and I was thinking as I was just listening to how humble and soft-spoken he is, I was saying to myself, self, <laughs> we need these types of stories and these types of people right now. The world, because right now, everybody's on such edge right now. The hate, the anger, oh, yeah. the sadness. You forget that amongst us, there are some pretty remarkable human beings and just regular people amongst that would run into a firing building to pull out a girl and not worry about your own your own good. We, yeah, we talked, I don't know if it was on or off the air. I think it was on the air, well, on the show. Yeah, about your no da- air. Your, your dad was sort of a, a down rounder. He always rounded down about his life. Yeah, that was off the air. We talked oh, about Oh, was it? About, okay. Yeah, but yeah. And then I said, well, it seems like it's sort of the opposite these days. We, we, could, we need more humble. We need more people rounding down and not yeah. look at me, look at me. But my dad was weird. In a, I mean, <laughs> All right, well. You're talking about something completely different. Really? He's a little humble. Like he didn't. Well, he didn't, I don't know that, you know, I, he... It's, you're getting me. I, All right, we won't have to talk about yeah, that. Yeah. But I, I said to you, like, it feels like everyone out there is just looking for that attention. Look at me, and no, this, this guy's, guy's a legit hero. And just listen to this okay, guy. I He'll be wait. the first segment. Segment number. I mean, his name is Philip Blanks, former U.S. Marine, oh, um, former wide receiver in high school and junior college, mm. using his skills to catch that. Have you see, you've seen that, right? Yeah. I mean, that was close. Yeah. And then another guy, by the way, who I'd like to get on the next episode, is a barber. He's walking by. Places on fire. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's engulfed. It's not just a little. Oh, yeah. And she's up there, the mom who perishes, by the way. Uh, He's walking by. And after the guy that we're having on makes the catch of the boy that she literally drops down, she drops him down to somebody else. But that guy was not going to make the catch. And he just comes flying into the picture and and somehow dives and catches this kid before he hits the ground. Then after that. 
this other guy who doesn't know Philip, just another guy, just a barber going to work, yeah. hears that there's an eight-year-old daughter. That was a three-year-old boy. An eight-year-old daughter also in there with her mom. He just goes right up into it. Yeah. I mean, and it's as you say, it's engulfed it's, in flames. This guy just literally doesn't know anybody. Hears that there's an eight-year-old. Says, screw it. I'm going up there. And yeah. he goes right into the flames and pulls the eight-year-old daughter out, and she's going to be okay, too. He couldn't get to the to the mother. Oh. There are people amongst us yep. that are like that. Not everybody's bad. That's right. Yeah, you can get... Not everybody's bad. You can get sucked into Twitter and the yeah. fighting and all that. Yeah. But that's, you know, what? We 2% need guys of, like this. Yeah, those people exist out there, everybody. So former agent and CBSSports.com contract expert Joel Corey. We're going to cover a lot of ground, a lot of NFL ground. Antonio Brown, Jamal Adams, Jadeveon Clowney, Dak Prescott, Miles Garrett, Pat Mahomes, Yannick and Guacque. If you can, if I've said that right, we are going to cover lots of ground with Joel Corey, all the NFL news that you need to know. And Corey Brock, the Athletics Mariners insider, believe it or not, the baseball season is about to begin. The 60 game dash that you've heard so much about is beginning this week on Friday. The Seattle Mariners are in Houston to face the Astros. To start the season. 60 games. Face the Astros. Face the Astros. All right, I'm going to be listening for that garbage can. If I hear (laughs) one clang, I'm going down to Texas to stop that crap. Episode 101. And we don't go anywhere or do anything here on episode 101 without our partners, our sponsors like Zeke's Pizza. All 17 locations, Hot Shot now open. 50% maximum capacity inside and outside still. President Dan Black will be with us here on 101. And he'll remind you that you can have a lot more than pizza delivered to your door. Craft beer growlers. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. That's what we do. Zeke's Pizza delivers homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler. Les Shy is now open. South Lake Union open. Daniel's Bellevue at the top of Bellevue Place open all of them taking enormous precautions to make certain it is completely safe it's time to catch back up on those celebrations that we all lost to covid graduations anniversaries birthdays daniel's broiler world-class steakhouses the kirkland office of guild mortgage call 425-250-3150 low interest rates the selling market is good it's hot you'd be crazy not to take a look at your mortgage and at refinancing your home this is the silver lining of this bump in the economy 30-year fixeds in the high twos and low threes. Jordan Flowers is ready with his Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage team. An evergreen golf call. Another strong rally week on Wall Street. This is a crucial time financially, and decisions that your family makes right now will have major ramifications in the future. CEO Tyler Hay and I will chat again here on episode 101. You'll hear part of that conversation on this show. Check out the website, evergreengk.com. Sign up for their fine newsletter, which is free. All right, triple digits. Let's start episode 101 right now. Unfiltered. I don't want to make the Seahawks and John Schneider and Pete Carroll sound like they're heartless human beings, but come on. You can't convince me that they're not over there in Renton, behind closed doors or wherever they are on their virtual calls, behind closed doors saying, God, we'd like to just get this guy. If the proceedings are delayed, if we can just get this guy for, even if the NFL says we're going to suspend him for six games, okay, we get him for game seven through the playoffs. Unfiltered. The quarterback will have to play the 2020 NFL season on the $31.4 million exclusive franchise tag. Right. 31.4 yeah. 
$1.4 million. It was a bad day for Dak oh. Prescott. He has to play 16 football games yeah. for $31.4 million. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 101 is underway. My name is Mitch, and his name is Scott. What are you wearing? This is a Bohm's candy shirt. Bohm's candy since 1942. That's right. My friend's parents own it. And a Bubba Wallace hat. Yep. Your hair has been cut. Oh, that was a whole thing. That was an anniversary gift that you gave to your wife, getting your hair cut. Yes. Did you go somewhere, or did somebody cut it for you at home, or how did it work? So the woman- I'm dying to go to a barbershop. Dying. The woman that always cuts it said, text me when you get here. So I texted her. She said, you're welcome to come in. I get in. She goes, all right, now we both go wash our hands. It's like a whole thing. See, my wife and I talked about this, and I said, I really want to go to a barbershop. And she said, go to one. Let's find one where they take your temperature, and they ask you questions like, like oh, I got to tell you, I, w- I went and got an antibody test. Oh, you did? Way. Yeah. Yeah. Bad ah, man. bummer. No antibodies. And so I was she, hoping. But anyway, yeah. she thinks that I should, if I'm going to go to a barbershop, that I should find one that goes through all of these things before you walk in. The trouble is, I'm used to spending like $17, $16 on a haircut. Oh, well, yeah. I got a feeling that the places she's talking about that do all that, that's probably an expensive cut. And look at me. I mean, can I do something with the nose? <laughs> Take a little off the left nostril. <laughs> Yeah, mine's like 40 or 45 bucks for a haircut. It's a little... You're kidding. Is that outrageous? I spend $18. Oh, well, it shows. You, know, you usually get what you pay for, right? I mean, look at mine. It's all stylish. That's why I got the hat on. But when, <laughs> when I when, when I lay down, this is weird. I, so she shampoos my hair, oh, yeah, which yeah. I, I don't need that. Great. 16 $18, it. you don't get the No, no, no. You don't know. get that, do you? No. So, but you she, might get a little COVID, but you don't get a shampoo. <laughs> That's true. So I had a mask on. She has a mask on, but she has yeah. to lay a towel over my eyes. I guess, because your eyes can absorb the... I, I don't, sure. Yeah. Sure. So I'm laying there with a mask on and a towel. I feel like I'm going to get whacked. I feel like yeah. I'm in some She's mafia movie. She's spitting sunflower seeds out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I get up to pay. She goes, no, no, you, we'll, pay, we'll pay at the chair. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. all right. But it's like a whole so bunch of they did take per, they took precautions. Oh, yeah, lots of precautions. Wow, you pay how much for a haircut? Well... How often do you get one? See, I'll go every couple of weeks, every like three weeks to get a $16, $18 haircut. I hate getting my haircut. I can't stand it. Why? I just, it's, I don't like small talk. It's boring. Oh, I think it's relaxed. I go to sleep. Well, that, that, I can sleep in the chair. But you can't sleep because you're going to slice all your hair off if you nod off or something. So no, I, have, I sleep all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I do get sleepy from the, the buzz. buzz. Oh, it's delightful. And then I did the neck. Oh. oh. Remember, <laughs> remember the woman that used to cut all our hair by KGR? She, yeah, she, yeah. she, she did the, the foam and then the straight oh. on the back. That oh. Was, oh, the best. <laughs> the best. So anyway, we, we know this woman. My, my wife's friends with her and her sister. So now I have to go to her. If I go to like, you know, Fantastic Sam's or something, it's going to be so, all. 40, so I'm stuck. What I'm kind stuck. of tip you give them on a $44? 10 bucks. So it goes to 54 or it goes to 44? It's, uh, it's, well, it's 45 plus 10, so 55. $55? Uh, it used to be 40. You ain't working for the T-Man anymore, man. I know. I got that T-Man taste. Jeez. <laughs> but I told you I'm stuck. I'm stuck going because we're friends with her. What am I going to do? You know, I, I can't cheat on her, essentially. <laughs> You're not that close of friends if she's charging a buddy $55 <laughs> and you're giving That's her a $10 true. tip on t- This is a friend? Yeah. I don't know. She uh, should be- 
How about a friends and family discount? That'd be nice. It would be nice. Anyway, what do you got on your, you got anything on your mind before I play a little game with you to start off episode 101 or not? The year was 1984. The University of Washington was at Ann Arbor, Michigan for the big Huskies against number four, Michigan. That game was supposed to be played this year, wasn't it? At at Husky Stadium? That's right, by the way. Canceled. Yeah, yeah. But this was 1984. The starting quarterbacks, Jim Harbaugh against Hugh Millen, which I thought was interesting. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Jim Harbaugh was there at the same. So, yeah, and the Huskies won 20 to 3. But do you remember a rule? I don't remember this at all. You tell me. About kicking the ball out of the end zone. If the kicker kicked the ball out of the end zone, the other team got it on the 30. I remember. Really? Yeah, I, I do remember, remember that. What kind of a rule is that? It's a facocta rule. Yeah, how many years <laughs> did they have that? They, I remember that. I really? remember. I, I, yes, I do. I vaguely remember that, that if you kicked it out of the end zone, yeah. Yeah. You're you like punishing penalized. the kicker for yeah, being for good? A great leg. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What the hell was yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I've, I, it's weird. I've, I don't remember that Did at you watch all. that game? Yeah, I always have something on when I'm working. You know, Is that like doing... the Pac-12 network or something? No, what it was, was on CBS. It was, no, it was from 1984. How man. did you play? They won 20-3. to three. He had a 73-yard pass to Mark Pattinson. He looked great, Hugh. Really? I think he might have been the offensive player of the game or something. Really? And, I, you know, I was thinking Chevrolet about Chevrolet is going to make a donation on behalf of Hugh <laughs> yeah, for it, back then, of it, it was like $200. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like nothing. <laughs> but I was thinking, poor Hugh. Uh, He's not even the best guy named Hugh to play at UW. Well, Hugh McElhaney. Right. I mean, imagine. Yeah. Your name's Hugh. You're not even the best Hugh. You know, Hugh, do you know about the story about when Hugh was born? Do you know that story? No. He was born the same day that that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Oh, is that right? November 22nd, 1963. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Not a lot of people celebrating with the, the Millens. Yeah, that's over right. Over the birth of Hugh because the, the world, the country yeah. was in mourning over the assassination in Dallas. You ever been to Dallas? You ever gone up into the building? I know we're getting off yeah. of the subject here. Have you ever done any of that? I've been to Dallas. I have not done that. You should do that. Yeah. You should do that. Did you, can you, I've been to Dallas a million times, never did it. And then I went by myself to something like a Cowboys Seahawks game when we were covering the, the, when we were doing the show from Dallas. Yeah. And I said, you know, I never did this. Let me just go to the book deposit. You know, oh, my, you've got to do that. Is you it, go to the building. They put you right in the window. Oh, they do. Okay. I mean, you, st- you literally. You get to see the, where he right, was. Right there. And so what is you your, go through the whole process before you get to the window. And yeah. You hear the radio. Uh, you do that. You got to do that. But do you come away going, oh, I could see someone making this shot easily, or is it a lot farther than you think? Or do you remember, really? I just, I don't remember that part of it. I just okay. remember being, it was so vivid. They did such a good job with the tour and the audio recordings and the window that I just remember coming away from that, like, like I felt I felt like I was there. Huh. The grassy knoll. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally, I mean, you could close your eyes and put huh. yourself right there on November 22nd, 1962. I don't plan I don't on going to on. Texas anytime soon, but I will do that. I would let's love play to a little game, I'm Hot Shot. Let's, let's laugh a little bit. I'm ready. I, I hope some people will laugh okay. at this. I think some people will take offense to this, like everything else we do. Let's play a little game that I like to call, made it up, uh, How Does the Story End? How does the story end? How does the story end? I like it. This sounds fun, doesn't it? it? We learned long ago that the best game on the, on the air on a show, it's all about the name. If the name's good, oh, the, the game can suck. Nah. This is a good name. I like it. I'm How interested. does the story end? Yeah, gotcha. let's do it. I'm going to read you a little story of something that happened over the weekend, and you're going to tell me how the story ends. Okay. That's the rules of the game. All right, I'm ready. Do you need me to repeat those rules? <laughs> it's only one. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. Where's my bell, by the way? It's over by your Gatorade bottle. Oh, it's hiding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> An anti-mask California woman. Politics already, Mr. Politics. No, no it's not politics. Come on, we can all laugh at this. <laughs> all right, go ahead. We all yeah. like a nice temper tantrum, don't oh, we? Oh, love it. Doesn't everybody oh. who's not actually involved in the temper tantrum, temper tantrum like a nice... T- isn't that like 
like rubberneck viewing. You have to turn and watch that. There's a whole series on YouTube called Public Freakouts. Yeah. And you can just there sit there go. and watch them all. They're great. This is what I would call a public freak. <laughs> okay. Good. Actually, you, uh, let's wait until the very end of our game. And after you know the answer, then you're going to tell me whether this would be defined as a public freakout. Okay. okay. An anti-mask California woman over the weekend was asked to leave a Verizon wireless store. Have you ever been to a Verizon wireless store? Have not. Oh, actually, I did a couple appearances there. Are so, you yeah. on? What what mobile network are you on? I'm on T-Mobile. Okay, I'm on Verizon. I'm Mr. Local. I, I support local. And if you choose not to, that that's your business. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a job there right now. I'm a, I'm a shill. <laughs> Hire him. Anybody in there listening? Oh, geez. Yeah, these Verizon wireless stores, and I think the Sprint stores before I switched over to Verizon, I don't trust any of these stores. So they're all kind of the same, the T-Mobile stores or well, AT&T. Well, you or- know, you have the company stores, and then you have the non-official stores. Did you know that? No. Yeah, that's another segment. with I could, I could do 20 minutes on that. Okay. But we're not going to shorten the, the, yeah. the, the episodes if I do. <laughs> but that's a, that's, I, that's a real bugaboo of mine. If you go into a store, like one of those stores, yeah. The first thing you should ask is, are you guys a company store or are you one of these kind of franchisees where they go on their own, you know, and you, if, don't, you if, don't want you don't want the franchisees. You want the company store. Will you turn around and walk out when they answer? I will turn around and walk Is that out. Right? I will never do any business anymore. Okay. I've been taking advantage oh, way okay. too many times at the franchisee. They do their own thing. They 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 walk to their own beat of the drum, whatever gotcha. the expression is. I always ask, like, if you go to like um Bellevue Square here in Bellevue, Washington, for the people that are outside of uh, where we are. There's a v- big Verizon store. Okay. It's a company store. I'm very comfortable in there. Gotcha. Okay. I go in there. I take a seat. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I'll have, a, I'll have a sandwich. Well, I don't go in there anymore. They run up and fan you and oh, feed you I'm grapes. I'm very, very and, comfortable. Yeah. Gotcha. You go down the street to the Verizon wireless store that's owned by an individual. It's not the company, and they're doing their own thing. No. Okay. So the standards are a little Totally lower. will take advantage huh. of you. I didn't know that. Okay. Good to know. And now there's probably somebody. Right. I probably <laughs> offended somebody. Anyway, an anti-mask California woman was in a Verizon wireless store. Ask me whether it was a company store or whether it was a franchise I'm store. surprised you know, but which was it? A company store or a franchise absolutely store? absolutely no okay, idea. I was surprised. It was in <laughs> Roseville, California. After all that. After she refused to wear a mask, she was asked to leave. Okay. A temper tantrum ensued. I'm we all, love temper tantrums. Love them. At which time the woman blanked. Dun. Dun, 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 dun. What did the, not blanked as in one word, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did the woman do in the midst of her temper tantrum that forced them to call nine one one? Oh, jeez. Have police come to the Roseville Verizon Wireless store? They come to the store. They find her. They go to her car. She's got stolen merchandise from the Dick store across oh, the, the Dick Sporting Goods store. Oh God! What did the woman do to force them to call nine one one? Dun 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 dun. I got the match game in. Yeah yeah. Fanny flag. Gene Rayburn with the little stick mic. Why that one? Why that skinny little mic? I have no idea. I'm gonna say she got so mad she she started hyperventilating and passed out. Hmm. That's, that's my guess. She got so worked up. Everybody's all worked up these days. Hmm. Hyperventilated. Passed out. Hmm. Uh-oh. In a 911 call, Hotshot Scott, yeah. you hear a dispatch operator, we can, we can get that 911 call, tell an officer that three people are 
refusing to leave, not wearing a mask. They've asked several times and she refuses. Three people have asked her to leave and she refuses. About three minutes later, the operator tells the officer, and I quote, they're calling back and advising that the female just pulled down her pants and is now urinating inside the store. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> oh, my God. Now, that's a protest. <laughs> you want to send a message? Wow. Roseville police got to the scene and confirmed the incident to CBS 13. Spokesperson oh, Rob Becerra says officers arrested the woman after finding several stolen items from a nearby Dick's Sporting Goods store in her vehicle. She got so mad... That they made her wear a mask or leave the store yeah. that she just peed all over the store. Just took a whiz there right you go. there. Now, I don't know who have I've offended. Oh. I, I've, I've offended the, the, the non-mask wearers out there. I didn't mean to offend oh, you. Oh, yeah. I mean, just what? a nice temper tantrum. I love temper tantrum. That's got to be on video, right? Somewhere someone has it. I'm sure. You're in the Verizon store. There's phones <laughs> everywhere. Someone's got to have that. You're minding your own business. You're in one of the corners. You're looking at a phone and an iPhone. <laughs> and you start to... Yeah. You start to sniffle oh, God. Some, some sort of a strong odor. Oh. And you look over and the woman's peeing in the in the store. You know, by now, the way, now you've heard it. Now, yeah, what yeah. do we have to do? We have to decide if it's a if it's a public freakout. It's about would well, that constitute a public? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it would. <laughs> if you're going to whiz in a store because out of anger, I think that constitute a public. freakout. Oh, gosh. Are people freaking out more and more these days or has this always been going on and we're just have more access to well, it now, you think? Or are people more on edge? And, I think it's a combination of probably all the things. Yeah. First of all, social media and video yeah, and surveillance. Everyone has a camera. Everybody knows yeah. everybody's business. And yeah. second of all, I mean, look, I don't, I'm not giving excuses to the woman or whatever, but it's been a rough six months sure for a lot has. of people. Yep. People are at, at wit's end, you know, put, put people in their homes and tell them they can't come out. Yeah. And people losing their jobs. You know, this and... is not, this is not a, a political statement. D- Democrats, Republicans, independents, whoever, whatever you are, it's not been an easy time for any of us. I so we can all agree on I that. think a lot of people just kind of, are freaking out yeah. a little bit. Losing jobs. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, can't afford your Verizon bill anymore. Right. Who knows what she was in there for? She stole stuff from, right. uh, look, I'm, look at me. I'm like, she's my aunt or something. Like, a, <laughs> like she's like a dear, near and dear to my heart. <laughs> right. I'm making excuses for her. But who knows? If you're gonna, who knows? If you're going to steal stuff, maybe, and you have it in your car, don't draw attention to yourself to where the police come. That's just my tip of the day to everyone yeah. who wants to steal so something. So you're saying on days that you take a leak in a Verizon <laughs> store, yeah. Do it after you take the stolen merchandise and put it home. That's right. It's exactly Drop right. Drop the merchandise off and then go leak in the Verizon. That's exactly right. You got it. You know, I went to the... I've Silicon. wanted to take a leak in many a franchise <laughs> Verizon. <laughs> you somehow controlled yourself? Uh, I was going to tell you, I went to this little Ma and Pa uh, hardware store by my house. This is yeah. a, a married couple owns it. And they had a sign up that I, I thought was pretty nice, but I'm sure I'll get shit for it on Twitter. Yeah. It said, to enter this business, a mask is required. Leave your politics at the door. I thought, that's fair enough, right? You're welcome to come in with a mask. But that's kind of political in and of itself. Oh, is it? So, so you're saying they're not leaving their politics no. at the door? Yeah, I, I think people would find fault with that. Really? But, isn't oh, yeah. it, but it's, a, it's a state law hot or shot, rule. Hot shot. If the sign read, hello and welcome, <laughs> we would find some partisan group that's <laughs> not. Yeah, whatever. Okay. All right, forget it. Okay. I can't say anything anymore. Dear Mitch, you have roots in the D.C. market. Did you know or have dealings with Dan Snyder while you were there? Seems like a <sighs> real weasel. Unlike the Mark Few type, is he about to be forced to sell like Sterling 
Should he be? Your thoughts. Stephen Tacoma writes on my email at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Anybody who wants to write me and ask a question or make a comment about the show, you're more than welcome to do. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com like Stephen Tacoma. I don't, what do you think? Have you been, have you been following the Washington Redskins' yeah. toxic work environment towards women? Have you? I don't know if you have any ties to him, but if you do, you might want to run like hell because everyone seems I, to be jumping that ship or, or at least getting fired from that ship. I'm too. trying to remember when he bought the team. I'm, I'm wondering, I don't think I was there when he was the owner. I think I was gone by the time he was the owner, but I may be wrong about that. Oh, you think he's been there that long? I thought it was more like 06, 04, 05. Yeah, so I was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Kent Cook was the owner when I was sure. there, I think. Um, I did not know Dan Snyder. I do not know Dan Snyder, but as you might expect from my ties, I mean, I spent five years in the media in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. I spent five great years. I love Washington, D.C. I don't know him, but as you might think, I know a lot of people who do. And when I say know him... I want to make sure that you understand, you get the visual. Not a lot of people know him. So when I say I know people who know him, they kind of, in passing, they know him. They Fair know enough. the stories. I've okay. heard many a whispers. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to ring the bell. I'm and, putting it back to the grade. I've, I've heard many a whispers about him and that workplace. Okay. Okay. What I could tell you is I have, and all the little, the little rumors, you know how we all gossip and talk. We're and the worst. Absolute okay. worst, yes. In all of the time that that I've heard, I have never I've heard whispers about how that workplace treats women. There's been lots of rumblings that, about that. You really that. have heard that before? Uh, the yeah, okay, there's been a little of nothing proven or nothing. Just a lot of swarming that there's some women who were not happy okay. there, and that it's not a very pleasurable work work experience huh. for females and so forth. I have never heard anything about him specifically. Now I, I, that doesn't mean he hasn't. Yeah being hostile towards women or or speaking negatively towards women or making it uncomfortable for women. I've never heard it about him. Okay. That may may or may not be true. I can tell you that two or three people either quit or got fired over this story. I can tell you. One of which is my former boss. Really? Yeah, Larry Michael, who's the play-by-play guy. Yeah, the broadcaster, it says. Here. Yes, yeah, was right. my first boss out of college at, at NBC and right? Mutual. Yes, I worked for Larry at NBC and Mutual way before he went to become... The Redskins voice. The Redskins voice when I was there was a guy named Frank Herzog. Sonny, Sam, and Frank. Sonny Jurgensen, Sam Huff, and Frank Herzog. That was the longtime team. When I worked at Mutual Broadcasting and NBC Radio, the grand poobah of Mutual Broadcasting and, and NBC Radio was a guy named Larry Michael, who huh. really always wanted to be on the air instead of a boss. Yeah. And so the, he the, transitioned. Those are the worst kinds of bosses in radio. <laughs> You want a boss who has no desire to be on the air. <laughs> Tom Lee. Perfect, right? Tiptoe Tommy Lee. No desire to be. And you want a board I forced too. him to be on the air a couple times. Oh, did you? Yeah, ask the program director. We did ask the program director. Oh, nice. Director. Yeah. Oh, um, so I worked for Larry Michael. Okay. Uh, he he resigned suspiciously one day before the Washington Post thing came out. Yeah, he got wind And then it. he got, and then he he was one of the people that was, that was appointed to in that piece. And I'll just tell you really quick, Alex Santos was director of player personnel. Right. He was dismissed. And assistant director of pro personnel, Richard Mann II, was also recently fired. So what I know about, here's what I think I'm very confident I can tell you about Dan Snyder. I don't know about this part of Dan Snyder, but I can tell you this. He is just an egomaniacal bully. Really? Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. the guy that you hear about, like, he's the guy that you hear about 
you're not allowed to look at him when he comes. You know, oh. some some employees have been told do not look at Dan Snyder when he walks in, let alone approach him and say hello. Right. Okay. That's not he's, happening. He's like he's like Napoleon. I don't know. He's got he's a, he's kind of a smallish guy. He just he's on an absolute power trip. He has told I know this for a fact umpteen people that are older than him that either work for him or don't work for him at all, that, that just come in from the community and they meet him and they call him Dan, he will routinely tell him, my name is Mr. Snyder. Is that right? He will look oh, at God. somebody 15 years as elder Ugh. and say, you call me Mr. Snyder. This is the type of dude yeah. he is. So not a pleasurable guy. Now, all of this other stuff I've heard some whispers about, but never. Now, now remember, this Washington Post, now going back to the question, will he be forced to sell? Should he be forced to sell? Have you pondered that at all when reading the Washington Post? Do you have an opinion on that? I mean, he can be forced to, he has been forced to change the name of the team. Essentially, right? Essentially. Yeah, they've yeah. been in the headlines a lot the last couple of weeks. Not they they've kind of be. controlled the headlines. It's like you, when you, th- I mean, his, just when you think that the, the new name of the team was coming out, this comes out. <laughs> right. His right? life was complicated right. enough. Right. Well, forced to sell is a tough one. It's, it's so far. It's an article. There's 15 women that have come out and accused them of some. And on the record, by the way, yes, 13 that worked for them. Yeah, and I think two that were just media members in the community that were forced to to uh, cover the team in in terrible situations. Correct. Yeah, he came out with. You want to call it an apology statement? Yeah, I, I, it was awful. It was pretty bad. I have it in front Again, of me. Again, he's not listening himself. to he, he didn't listen to anybody smart. He didn't surround him with somebody smart because there was a very simple, a much more impactful way to go about that statement. It would have gone something like this. I'm appalled that we have failed as we have and the responsibility and the buck lays at my feet. I am responsible just as if I am responsible for changing the climate and the environment here. You have my, you have my apologies. All these women have my apologies, and you have my assurance that my next step will be to make this uh, a workplace that everybody is proud of, and everyone wants to to be a Washington Red Tail or whatever it is. That would have been that nice. would have been yeah. the statement instead of the statement that he is. The statement that he made is typical Dan Snyder. He's not. He kind of distanced himself as as the problem. He's the owner of the team. Take on, you know, as, as Mark Cuban said this week, you know what? Accept it. Accept it. Accept the responsibility. Yeah. Accept the accountability and say, we blew it. We choked. It was awful. And I'm going to make a cha- I'm going to make sure it changes. That, that's, that would be the most respectful way that he could have responded to all this. Don't you think? He said, this story has strengthened my commitment to setting a new culture and standard for our team. So it took this for you to strengthen the culture and standard of the other. I mean, yeah. Where, I don't where mind have that. I, I don't mind that line just as long as it's it has that before that line is I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, there's none of that. We messed yeah. up. Yeah. I am so sorry to those women and all the other women that didn't come out. If those women were uncomfortable, all the other women who are not a part of the story, I apologize to everyone involved. We messed up and it's on me as the owner. That should have been the first paragraph of the statement and then all the stuff that you're reading now is fine but hey take responsibility and accountability and promise to clean it up now will he be forced by the league to sell his stake in the team i i don't think there's any chance of that of him being forced to sell unless and until 
or until it comes out that he is, there are episodes and examples of women who come out and say, Dan Snyder treated me like this. I think when you start comparing it to Donald Sterling of the Clippers and all the others before him, Jerry Richardson of the Panthers, when you start, remember Donald Sterling, there were like recordings of racist behavior and comments of him specifically. It wasn't just the environment of the Clippers. It was him. Mm, That's a good distinction. And I think that's the line that Dan Snyder, we don't know that Dan Snyder's crossed, but at this point there's no reports that Dan Snyder is specifically individually involved in the mistreatment of women. I think that's the line that has to be that has to be um, jumped before there will be serious conversation of making him sell the team. Do you think at some point Dan Snyder's hoping that the 2020-21 season's canceled so he can just sort of let this blow over a little bit? No, I, mean, no. No, I don't think so. He doesn't think like that? Well, I mean, me, guy, The guy's in the headlines all the time. It's like, you can't win. Well, remember, for him to get pushed out, yeah. he would be getting pushed out by whom? By the other owners. The other owners. Yeah. I think, and you're going to laugh at this, but after you laugh, come back to the microphone and consider it. Okay. I don't think the other owners want him out. <laughs> Why? I think that there is a general conclusion amongst owners, including the most powerful owner in the NFL, that as long as Dan Snyder owns the Washington Redskins, they will never be good. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> they will be never they will That's never hilarious. be good. Okay. <laughs> Jerry Jones and loves I, it, right? <laughs> I don't think Jerry Jones wants anybody yeah. other than Dan Snyder yeah, yeah. owning the Washington Redskins. That's hilarious. Because I think everybody <laughs> thinks they will suck, and they have since the day yeah. he arrived to the that they will because he is just absolutely a mess. Yeah. That that organization a mess and I don't think I don't think the most powerful owner Jerry Jones wants the Redskins <laughs> to be good. Yeah. So I think he will and everybody else will want Dan Snyder in there as the owner of the Redskins. They were good for a minute in 2012, right? When they drafted RG3, they went yeah, to the playoffs, they, yeah, but they were here once. Weren't they oh, here once? Yeah, that was like like uh, Todd Collins was the quarterback. I mean, they yeah, that's right. I forgot. But it's yeah. been a disaster it of has. a franchise at yeah. every step during his tenure. Yeah. And I think the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, and <laughs> Jerry Cowboys. Jones's yeah. Dallas Cowboys are it. fine with that. <laughs> that's funny. It's true. How many owners have been pushed out? You said uh, I'm, Donald Sterling's the one I can remember, but you said another number, Panthers owner? What was he pushed yeah, out Yeah, well, for? Jerry Richards, you got to go back to uh I, I don't know that he was for, i guess he was forced david tepper's now the owner of the carolina panthers but there was some real bad behavior okay there was some real bad behavior from richard you go back and look at it. i don't want to cite because i don't have it in front of me i'm just yes. wondering how often that happens is why i'm asking it doesn't happen often. yeah it doesn't feel like it does does it yeah was march shot forced out for her yeah i'm sure okay anti-semitic yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. march shot with the dog remember oh, the dog? Yeah. shotzi shotzi yes <laughs> So I'm just wondering how often it happens. It's very, very rare, at least in my lifetime. I don't remember it happening. Yeah, I think ever. a lot has got to happen yeah. uh, for for an owner to be pushed out by the owner owners. Anyway, there so you go. Head coach Ron Rivera had a kind of an interesting comment. I thought well, about well, he's he's the perfect guy that, from all accounts, he's the perfect guy to be the head coach of that team right now because he is a real high character guy. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? Well, that, I mean, that's what uh, Snyder said in his statement, too. You know, it began with the hiring of Coach Rivera earlier this year, starting to clean it up a bit. But he said, my daughter works for the team, and I sure as hell am not going to allow any of this. And I tend to believe him. <laughs> I tend to believe him. <laughs> I guess I keep coming back to when, when people mess up in the world, whether it be sports or non-sports, as I have, um, very publicly, I, I just, the Lance Armstrong, all, all these guys that mess up, 
I can't believe how many of them butcher the first statement, the written, oh. helped by an attorney. Help these people have access to PR firms and millions, and they got billions of dollars. They have access yeah. to. They don't. You would think that a guy like Dan Snyder would trust somebody. I guess he's just no. such a, a tyrant and a yep. bully that he's just going to do it his own way. You would think that there's somebody that he trusts that gets to him and says, Dan, don't hit send on that statement. We, we need more than that. We need you saying, I take this. I'm taking this straight on. This is on me. And, and I'm sorry. And we were this was bad. And we're having they're having an independent investigation and so forth and so on. There's nobody around Dan Snyder that. How about his wife? I'm guessing he's got. How about n- his wife? No one in his life like that. No one. Nope. That says, "Hey, honey, you're not wearing that, honey." <laughs> That's what my wife says. <laughs> you're not wearing that. Go put something honey, else. On. How about it? I'm sorry, yeah. and we we effed up. Yeah. And and we're gonna clean this up, and we're so sorry, and we want to engage in dialogue with our female employees and those 15. We want to talk to you specifically and and apologize to you. I mean, there's so many ways that you can sound. You know, human. Yeah. Sound human with these statements. I don't think uber rich and successful people say I effed up easily. They just. They like Fonzarelli? I was. Exactly. I mean, he was uber rich and successful, right? In his own way. Toughest guy in Wisconsin. I don't know. But, you know, they just. I was. The minute he says I effed up, now he feels like he's on the hook, which I guess he should be or he is. But they just have trouble saying that. They just can't do it. It's my fault. I effed up. He's too rich and too successful and he just can't do it. I know. I'm with you. He should have said. He should have at least copped a little bit. I messed up. Yeah. We're fixing this. Ugh, not good to be Dan Snyder these days. Three interviews. I'll tell you who it's good to be, and I want you to listen real closely to a humble Arizona man, former U.S. Marine Corps guy named Philip Banks. He'll be he'll be interview number one. Joe Corey with a lot of fun NFL stuff, including a lot of Seahawks, Jadeveon Clowney, Quentin Dunbar, Jamal nice. Adams, trying to get him out of the Jets. We have Joel Corey on. And then if you are a baseball fan, it's about to begin. The Mariners will start in in Houston on Friday. Uh, Corey Brock, who is a terrific writer for The Athletic, and he covers the Mariners day-to-day, no longer allowed to travel to away games. Oh, interesting. And you can't go down in the locker room to interview guys. So, Oh, that's right. How's that going to The way it works, well, you'll hear him say the way it works is we go – to Safeco, it's not Safeco anymore. T-Mobile. Yes, it is. It's not Verizon Wireless. No, it's not. Um, they go to the ballpark. They sit up in the press box. They're separated by a lot of space between their other media people. Game happens. Yep. They write their pieces from their chairs, and then after the game to get their quotes, they put players and coaches on a Zoom call up to the up to the uh, press wow. box, and that's the way they get their quotes for the story. And then for away games, I guess they sit at home, they watch them on TV, and then they do the same Zoom call from their living rooms to, like, Houston, where they put the coaches on and they put the players on that are involved. I wish that's, that's how the way I, they do their story. When I was a, a 21-year-old intern going into the locker rooms, I wish that's the way we would have done it instead of having to ask vanilla <laughs> questions. With, with Wouldn't have been as fun, though. The smoke billowing yeah, up into no, my you face. Would, you, you wanted it that way. Yeah, I was a little, little nervous at yeah. 21, a little yeah, nerve-wracking. But, but it was a fun nervousness, wasn't it? Yeah, I was Except fun. for Junior. We have Junior. I mean, he's <laughs> off-limits, no, Junior. No, no, no. You don't even look. By the way, speaking of people you can't look at and make eye contact with, 
There you go. That's one of them. Three interviews, and then oh, we got a lot on the other stuff. You got a lot. I got I got oh, several. Oh boy, do I other stuff. So, oh, and I want to play you the audio. Oh, I got some audio for you. I'm ready. Yeah, some comedy. You want comedy? Who doesn't? Did you know that there's an NBA snitch line? A bubble snitch line hotline? No, I didn't. Yes. I can't wait. There's a bubble snitch hotline <laughs> I love it. in the NBA. Okay, time to catch up with Zeke's president, Dan Black, on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Dan, what's the latest with our favorite spot for Northwest-style pizza and great craft beer? Summer's in full swing, so what people are tuned into right now is our summer beer lineup, which is full of sunny day, easy drinkers, good for patios, good to throw crawlers and cans in your cooler people are excited to be back on our patios and dining in a little bit tell us about that dining in and on the patios we're still at 50 percent maximum capacity for each one right which gives us quite a bit of seating between uh indoor and the patios and a lot of our dining rooms are indoor outdoor so they've got a garage door or something and so there's plenty of seating to be socially distanced and to feel like you're outdoors or to actually be outdoors and so in terms of COVID, people people want plenty of space and, and anything that's indoor, outdoor, or just purely outdoor uh, feels safe. We've, for the most part, got a lot of stuff in terms of seating that where people can come in and feel comfortable and safe and, and have a good time. What story do your numbers tell about the confidence of the Northwest to head back to restaurants, Dan? Yeah, people are dipping a toe in, you know, so it's not, it's definitely not gangbusters. A lot of people just have got used to to being pretty close to home and frankly a lot of people are out in the islands or summer places or the lake and outdoors and and doing stuff so summer for dining in general in seattle can be hit and miss and slow at times and that's definitely the case this summer but there's also people that are doing it and uh there's plenty of out people that are thankful to be around people again and just sitting in a restaurant or a bar with other people is is kind of a treat nowadays and there's definitely plenty of people that are excited to do that obviously delivery is such a huge part of zeke's model assuming you are not as concerned with some of the spike in numbers because we can all download the zeke's pizza app and we're a click away from a craft beer growler at our door correct and uh it's been great to have dining rooms open again and and have that business back but takeout and delivery is still where the strength is so that continues to be the strongest part of our business and we continue to to be excited about that and we've been talking about beer for a long time that continues to be the big theme which is people are ordering a lot of pizza people are ordering a lot of beer and uh delivery and takeout is their preferred method for that for the most part dan black zeke's pizza president thank you dan thanks for being such a great partner of mitch unfiltered thanks mitch appreciate it zeke's pizza homegrown in the northwest unfiltered Dramatic video caught on camera as a mother tosses her child off a balcony engulfed in flames. The man running to help and making that miraculous catch is this man right here, Philip Blanks. He is a former U.S. Marine. He once played football, a wide receiver at Saddleback College. Episode 101, Mitch Unfiltered continues. It's become one of the most watched videos of the year. An absolutely tragic story. Back on July 3rd in the Phoenix area, the third floor of an apartment building engulfed in flames. A woman and her two children trapped, just a nightmare. 
30-year-old Rachel Long passed away, but her two children were saved by two incredibly heroic citizens. One of them now is with us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Here's Philip Blanks. Philip, an absolute privilege to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, sir. I appreciate it. Before I ask you, Philip, to relive painfully July 3rd for our audience, tell us about Philip Blanks, high school and college football player, U.S. Marine Corps. Give us the, the Philip Blanks story, if you will. Uh, yes, I'm 28 years old from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I joined the Marine Corps at 19 years old because I wanted to serve my country and, and learn a thing or two about self-defense. I played college or I played college football at Saddleback in, in Mission Via Hill in California, just junior college. I always wanted to play big time division one football. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I felt that was the best time to do it. Um, after that, yeah, just, just a, a good citizen. You know, I like to help people. I'm trying to build my life so I can provide for my family. Humble person. Okay. You sound humble, Philip. You you were at a friend's place on July 3rd in the Phoenix area when you heard some screaming. Walk through that with us, if you don't mind. So, yes, I was getting ready for a workout, and I heard a lot of people, a lot of commotion going on outside. And I looked outside, and I thought there was a fight going on at first, but everybody was just looking in a certain direction, and I thought that was pretty odd. And uh, a few moments passed by, then somebody yells out, there's a fire. I grabbed all my things. I scrambled to the door. I wasn't able to find my shoes. And at that point, I just ran outside barefoot. I ran down three flights of steps barefoot. And when I got down to the to the bottom of the steps, I looked to my right and seen that the apartment was engulfed in flames. And then that's when I run across the street and throw my things by the dumpster. And uh, when you see me run into the video, that's, that's directly after that. And... I heard people screaming to throw the kids down, throw the kids down for, for Rachel to jump. And that just sprung into action. I didn't even think about it. It was just a reaction to help. Uh, the, man, the other man who you see in the video with me, it wasn't so much I didn't believe in him. I was just I was just in the, in the mode to help. So yeah. I just jumped into action. Was so this is not your – this was not the building that you were in. This was a different building, right? You came down – three floors of a different building came out and looked across the way. That's when we see you oh, kind of dart. Or is it the same building? No, no. Same building. I was right next door to the unit, right next door to the fire. And that was, that was scary just because I, I started to feel the heat and the smoke was coming in. It got, it got intense fast. So it, it was the same building, Philip, the building that you were yes. in was the one that was on fire. So you, you had heard that there was a fire in your building. You ran downstairs to evacuate, and that's when you looked up at your building, the third floor, and saw the flames that we see on the on the video and the woman with the child, right? Correct, yes. I was When I was upstairs and somebody yelled fire, I was aware that it was the unit next door, and that's what had me in a little bit of a panic. I was in more panic at that moment than catching the boy. And everybody was yelling to the woman. She had the the boy in her arms. Everybody was yelling to the woman to drop the boy. Now this is three stories. And as you point out, yes. there's another there's another male that's there underneath that is try going to try to catch the boy as well. That's when you kind of kind of let your instincts take over. Is that right? Yes, sir. Um, he was uh, that that man in the video that was uh, attempting to catch the boy first. He was also a U.S. Marine. So I definitely need to give my respect to him for uh, wanting to help and be, being there. 
But um, when I just ran in, it, it had, like I said, it had nothing to do with him. I was just confident in myself that I could help out in that situation. You dive, and the kid's name is Jameson. He arrives in your arms just as he's about to hit the ground, right? It's kind of fuzzy. It's hard to see from the video whether he hits the ground or not. Talk about the moment when you had this three-year-old in your hands. So when I was running up, it was just straight tunnel vision. I, I didn't see anything but the, the patio. I didn't hear anything else. And when he got tossed down, he, he was spiraling in the air. And that's when I was just locked onto him. And he fell, his torso and his head fell directly into my arms. And his foot hit the ground a little bit, but he didn't get hurt on the fall. But his his head and his uh, his head landed perfectly in my elbow, wow. and it was just a divine moment uh, when we looked each other in the eye because he knew what was going on. He knew that he just got saved, and when he looked when we looked at each other, it was just like this new this new slate for life. Like he just wow. knew that he had a new start, and like I'll, I'll never forget that moment when we looked at each other in the eye when I caught him. It was just. An unreal moment. Philip, was he injured from the flames and the heat? Yes, he did have. He was burned and bleeding when when I caught him, and we got that taken care of. We wrapped him up in a in a wet sheet when we put him down in a car and waited for EMTs. And he went to the hospital. Did he stay in the hospital? How long was he in the hospital? What can you tell us if you know anything about his condition now, Philip? So he he had around fifteen percent burns. And he is still currently in the hospital, but he will, um, he is expected to make a full recovery as well as his sister. But his sister, she has 40% burns and she'll be in there for a little while longer, but both will be making, are expected to make full recoveries. Let's talk about his sister for a second. As the little boy, three years old, is being tossed down, another man, another heroic citizen is walking i guess on his way to the job to a barber shop is that right and he sees the flames and he doesn't hesitate he actually runs into the building goes up three floors into the flames to try to, to try to rescue the mother and the daughter right what did he see what do you know that he saw yes uh from what he told me is that he was on his way to the barber shop and he heard a lot of uh, commotion going on so he quickly drove around the corner to where the apartment was ablaze and he got out of his car. He said he was about to start recording, but then he heard a lot of screaming going on. So it kicked in his mind to help. And, uh, he said that he, when he initially, when he initially went up there, he didn't hear anybody screaming. And he was, um, he said that he went, ran back downstairs to come around the front where we were at. But then as he was coming down the steps, he heard screams, and he turned around and went back inside where the fire was at. And uh, he pulled out the eight-year-old daughter. And he was able to uh, uh, get out of that fire unhurt. Did he see the mother? Um, I can't remember what he said as far as that. I think he did, but um, it, was, it was pretty gruesome in there. Yeah, I'm sure. You got a chance, the two of you, to meet up with the dad and maybe even other members of the family in the days after. What was that like, Philip? It was very emotional. Very emotional. Um, a lot of tears. A lot of, this is a lot of this is a lot of sad energy at first, but we we got to know each other. We we spoke, and at the end of the meeting, we we became family. Um, we're very close now. 
We're going to make sure that the kids have a positive energy in their life and, and good people, and we will make this a positive outcome. So it's we're, we're definitely family, and we're looking forward to, to moving along in Phil- a more positive direction at this point. Philip, it's a couple of weeks now. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you... Uh- are you recovered? Are you still a little shaken from the old, from the incident? Are you over it? How how would you say you're feeling? You know, I'm I'm still I'm still sad about Rachel. She's the true hero. Um, she she did some heroic things and some brave things to save her children, and I still think about that. But as far as the event itself, I'm trying to move forward. You know, I I'm definitely still think about that time, and um, but. That's just the best way to 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 get over it is just to try not to think about that traumatic experience. But as far as now, I'm trying to put that, that energy into more positive things. Like um, I would like to use this platform to help out veterans. I just want to help out a lot of people with this platform now. So I'm I'm getting myself in a position to do that. And I'm always here for you and willing to help. All you got to do is say the word. You know, Philip, you're going to be forever connected to Jameson. He will grow into a man. He will live a life because of you. I can't imagine what that must feel like in your heart. I feels great. I'm proud. I, I don't. I don't think that that aspect has hit me just yet. Like I, I do think about that, but it hasn't gotten deep yet. You know, like it's still marinating. But it, I feel. I definitely, definitely feel proud, and I would love to be in in both of their lives um, to make a positive impact. Wow. You know, as I sit here, Philip, and I just listen, I imagine the same with everyone else in our audience. I'd like to believe that I would have done the exact same thing as you guys. But the truth is, none of us can be certain until we're faced with life-altering circumstances like that. I mean, running into a burning building, the courage in that, diving and catching that boy centimeters from the ground, immeasurable bravery and awe-inspiring and you know right now with all that's going on in the world so much hate so much anger and sadness you d'artagnan alexander and your stories are exactly what we need a reminder of the good in people so the best i can do is just say thank you i appreciate that thank you um it's it was definitely god's work god's timing um it wouldn't have been possible without rachel's heroic acts she's the number one hero in this so I'm not really an attention seeker, but I'm just glad that I, I was there at that time to, to give him another chance. Thanks for reliving it with us, Philip. I appreciate it very, very much. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. I hope we can visit again when you get your ducks in a row and you want a, a little help getting a message out. I'm here for you. Oh, yes. That'd, that'd, that'd be great. I would definitely love the help, and I will keep you updated on, as, uh, on, on our relationship with the kids. They will be getting out the hospital soon and we'll be reuniting so i'll keep you updated with that philip you're the best thank you sir appreciate it yes sir philip blanks on the zeke's pizza hotline if you haven't seen the video make sure you do a true hero in the midst of an uncomfortable period in american history reminds us all that there are so many good decent and well-intentioned people all around us every day It's time to catch up with the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. Here's our friend Lindsey Schwartz to give us some good news about the reopening of two more Daniel's Broiler locations. Lindsey? Yeah, that's right, Mitch. We finally got to open uh, two more. So we opened Bellevue and then we opened Lake Union the night after that. 
and uh, we're off to a pretty good start. So far, so good. Okay, so what can you tell us about what we'll find at the three locations now? Less shy. Daniels Broiler Bellevue and Lake Union in terms of how much capacity seating how close will we be to the next party all of that stuff sure yeah well King County has moved into phase two inside in the dining rooms we can do 50 percent capacity and outside on the decks and patios we can do 50 percent capacity and fortunately all three of those locations uh, have either decks or patios and so that really helps all the tables are six feet apart so we've removed tables from the dining rooms to ensure that everybody's at least six feet apart uh, and then all the other things that, that, that we do to keep people six feet apart. We have signage. Uh, we have those those decals on the floors for people to stand on when they're checking in at the front desk. Uh, of course, all of our team members are wearing masks and gloves. And now, you know, all guests are required to wear masks. And so we enforce that. We've got disposable menus. We've got hand sanitizer available throughout the restaurant. And we thoroughly sanitize the tables in between each use and thoroughly sanitize uh, all the common areas, areas on a regular basis. So we're taking it very seriously as, uh, as you would expect us to. So now that South Lake Union and Bellevue are open, that means delivery from those two spots as well, correct? That's right. Yeah. All three spots are work with DoorDash as our third party delivery company. So it's available from all three. So that's expanded our geographic footprint for delivery since we've opened an additional two locations. And then all three are available for pickup. And what's cool about pickup is you can also do beer, wine, and even cocktails for the pickups. 40th year anniversary of Daniel's Broiler, part of the fabric, as I like to say, of the Pacific Northwest. And we're celebrating with $40 bottles of Vouv Clicquot. But that is, is that only Les Shy, or is that available at the other two locations that are now open as well? That's only at Les Shy for now. That's the first restaurant. It's, it's actually, that's the one that's celebrating the 40-year anniversary. And so we've got it limited to that for now. That may change at some point. But right now, if you want the $40 move you go get it at Leshai. I gotta say that everybody's itching to go back to restaurants and we've all missed a lot of special occasions and there is no better place to celebrate your special occasion whether it's a birthday or an anniversary a graduation dinner you've got to do it at Daniel's Broiler now with three locations back open South Lake Union Leshai and Bellevue Place Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses Unfiltered. Dak Prescott receiving that exclusive franchise tag, as we expected, $33 million. And this is something that we were expecting, but the Cowboys also have to have an eye toward the future because in a year, we're going to see quarterback salaries skyrocket. Hello, Patrick Mahomes. Hello, Deshaun Watson. There weren't any talks scheduled for Prescott and the Cowboys to try to reach an agreement, but there was a last-minute or last-ditch effort to try to get a deal done right before the deadline. The final offer was for five years, averaged between 33 and $35 million per year. I think that's the Jadevian Clowney story going on way back to college is this guy is so defined by that alien stature physical ability that splash plays because when he makes it it looks spectacular it looks unlike what anyone else in the world can do 
Let's talk NFL on episode 101. He's back, but he's different now. Former sports agent, current CBS contributor, and now, ladies and gentlemen, podcast host. He's our buddy, Joel Corey. Joel, you're one of us now. Inside the Cap is the podcast. How does it feel? Uh, it, it's, uh, I think it's going well. Two episodes so far. First one was on the franchise tag deadline, which was the 15th of July. Then the second one was a little later last week, uh, which was following up on the aftermath of the franchise tag uh, deadline, who signed, who didn't, going over the deals that signed, and also uh, Miles Garrett's big deal. Uh, I figured it could be a logical extension of my writing um, doing the podcast because it's on pretty much what I think I know better than anything else related to the NFL, <laughs> the salary cap and contracts. I would hope that I picked up something along the way being an agent yeah. for numerous years. Yeah. And the podcast gives me an opportunity to go into a deep dive into certain areas. And also, um, only write maybe once, twice a week for CBS. So I can address more topics through the podcast than I would through my writing. And also, uh, some people don't really want to read an article. Maybe they'll listen to the podcast. At least initially, I'm just going to be addressing various things which are newsworthy relating to the salary cap and contracts. Over time, I'm going to branch out and have guests. Yeah. Inside the cap, it's called. And by the way, for people who don't know, you've become America's favorite guest. How many radio shows and podcasts are you doing these days as a guest? You seem to always say yes, and you're everywhere all the time. Give people a sense how often you go on other people's shows. Actually, I don't say yes all the time. <laughs> I've, I've turned down more than I go on um, over the past couple of months. But it seems like if there's some big contract which uh, is signed or something very topical – in the business area of the NFL, I get a lot of calls. Um, I'm trying to do more, no more than two, max three uh, interviews a day and not do them every day. Uh, I spread them out, but I'm turning down a lot more oh. than I do now. Well, you're going to get a lot of guests because you've been so kind to everybody like me. Let's let's go through a laundry list of interesting stories, some of which you've already mentioned, but I'll ask you to regurgitate it. Uh, from your podcast, Inside the Cap. Let's start with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Uh, Joel, they do not get together on a long-term deal. That's a moderate surprise to some. How about you and what comes next for those two sides over the next two years? Yeah, it was a surprise to me because I just assumed that uh, Jerry Jones at the last minute would cave and give Dak Prescott the four-year deal that he wanted. They didn't have much dialogue, apparently, uh, from March until a last-ditch effort to try to get something done. That's what surprised me. They went dark for so long. Uh, well, I guess we're going to revisit this next year because Dak Prescott can't sign a deal until the end of the uh, 2020 regular season on January 3rd, 2021. He's going to have no incentive to sign a new deal if he plays reasonably well this year until the uh, franchise designation period ends um, early next March. And whatever was talked about this year is going to be obsolete as long as Dak doesn't fall on his face or have some serious injury late in the year, which would prevent him from being ready for the start of the 2021 season. Second franchise tag is a 20% increase of the current one at $31.409 million. So he's going to 
Happy gets franchise again is thirty seven point seven million essentially. And that's gonna be the starting point for negotiations wow. um next time around. Wow. Um if I'm Todd France, there's one thing I want I would make very clear to Jerry Jones that Dak Prescott will only be under contract for four years from the time that his rookie contract expired. He wanted four this year, plays one on the franchise tag. So I'd be looking for a three year deal next year. That number that you just mentioned, that sec- second franchise tag that's a huge number considering that the cap might not rise, right? He would he would end up counting an immense percentage of their cap if they had to go down that route a second time. They might not even be able to go down that route a second time, Joel. Yeah, that's true because right now he's counting like 15.9% of the, the league-wide cap. Obviously, teams' caps vary because of the amount of money that you can uh, carry forward from unused cap room uh, from the previous year. But – if the cap stays flat, which I suspected will, I don't think there's going to be a big hit because of loss of revenues where the cap drops to 170 or 160. If it does, then there's no way that Dallas could afford franchise tag going up 20% with the cap going down. But even if it's flat, we're talking he would take up 19% of what the league-wide cap would be. So that's going to put somewhat of a strain on Dallas's resources. But Dallas would have to restructure contracts, which they which they previous previously done. They were notorious for doing it several years ago, but have reined that in a little. Ask guys to take pay cuts or a cut player, and right now they've got about uh, almost 180 million of cap commitments for the 2021 league year. So you do the math right uh, already, right there. That yeah, 37.7 yeah. to practically 180, <laughs> something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joel Corey, terrific on these types of matters. The vast majority of these franchised guys, Joel, obviously didn't do an extension by the deadline. Do you see any of them getting dealt? You know, we're here in Seattle. The guy in Jacksonville, the pass rusher in Jacksonville, is an intriguing name for the Seahawks. What about him? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, he's the one who will get dealt. He's made it very clear. He doesn't want to play in Jacksonville. By all accounts, from what I'm hearing, he's not going to show up anytime soon. Uh, may not play the regular season. Um, his franchise tag is almost $18 million. That's a lot of money to turn down. I know Le'Veon Bell did that uh, a couple years ago. Didn't play in a tag of about fourteen five, But that's rarely done. It'd be 20 years uh, prior to Bell doing it that someone had done it. Problem is Jacksonville was patient last year with Jalen Ramsey and got a king's ransom for him. Uh, they got a couple first-round picks out of that. So they're going to be patient and try to get a team to meet their price. The thing is, he can't play. He can't sign to a long-term deal. The prohibition on signing a franchise player to a long-term deal extends to the team to trade for someone. So that July 15th deadline would apply to whatever team acquires in Gakway. But uh, at some point, the rubber's going to meet the road. The trading deadline, I think, is November 3rd this year. I don't see him being a member of the Jaguars. The Jaguars controlling us right after that date. So he'll he'll play for somebody else this year. It's just a question of how many weeks it'll be and whether he's going to show up before he gets traded. Yeah. Which brings us to Clowney. You and I role-played the last time we chatted, Joel. That was pre-COVID. That was pre-free agency. That was pre-all of this mess. And here he sits. He turned down, I don't know what he turned down, 12, 13, 14. I guess he wanted 20, 21, 22. What now do you think happens? I mean, if you're advising him, you're a former agent yourself, if you're 
if you're Jadeveon, maybe you'll tell me if I was Jadeveon Clowney's agent, he would have already signed. Maybe he wouldn't. What would you do next? What would be the strategy with him? And do you see him coming back to the Seahawks somehow, some way? Well, he's the one who's been most affected by uh, the uh, coronavirus pan- pandemic because of the injuries he's had, first a microfracture a couple of years ago, and then the core muscle surgery, that if you're going to pay him huge money on a long-term deal, your team doctor was going to have to examine him physically, and facilities shut down right to start a free agency. So that couldn't happen. And once you got a sense that no one wanted to pay your number, and I don't begrudge him for asking for what he, what he was asking for, you have to adjust quickly in free agency, your expectations. It, I would have presented to him, okay, you can't get this. Is there a long-term deal you would be comfortable doing? Not at these numbers. My recommendation would be not go the long-term deal route, but try to get the best one-year deal in a situation where you think you can thrive. There have been teams that have wanted to sign him like the Browns, but I know last year, towards the end of the year, he said that he wanted to play for a playoff contender. The Browns have a lot of talent on paper, but that's on paper. If I'm Clowney, I go to Tennessee. There's familiarity there, and familiarity can bring comfort with a player and a team. It's not necessarily the team in this case, it's the coach. He played for Mike Vrabel in Houston. That was one of his coaches. So I, they still need a pass rusher in Tennessee. They signed Vic Beasley to a one-year deal. I think it's one year, $9.5 million. But uh, that's not my idea of a consistent pass rusher. He's been a guy who disappears for long stretches of a time. So I go there, take the one-year deal, try to have my best season possible, and then reposition myself right. in the marketplace next year to try to get the long-term deal I want. Right. Joe Corey is our guest, always terrific to us on Mitch Unfiltered. Here's what I'd like to do next, Joel, if you're okay with it. I'll, I'll give you a contract that was just signed. You just give me a quick thought, a quick thought on some of these things that were in the headlines that NFL fans have been watching. Let's start. Patrick Mahomes, 10 years Potentially $503 million. Way too long. Has unusual security. Uh, he's got mechanisms in the contract, which make the contract a year guaranteed a year before the money is due. Uh, cash flow is surprisingly low early on, and overall the money is backloaded. I don't think other players and teams are going to follow this model for a contract. He's trying to be Tom Brady in terms of chasing championships and instead of maximizing his income over his career. Mm -hmm. Quick thought. Six months ago, Miles Garrett was the villain of the NFL. Now he's a five-year, $125 million extension, one of the highest-paid defenders of all time. Joel? Uh, Surprise the deal was done before he played another down of football after the suspension. Uh, Highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. This deal becomes the floor for Joey Bosa's contract with the Chargers. Okay. A running back actually got paid, Joel. Derek Henry, you mentioned it earlier on the Clowney discussion. He gets an extension, four years, 50, 25.5 guaranteed. A fair deal for both sides. He gets more than playing the franchise tag game um, for two years and having to perform again in 2020 to get franchised again, he's at 25.5 as opposed to like uh, 22.3 or 22.6. No guarantees after the first two years, so Tennessee can walk away. Sets probably the market for Dalvon Cook, who wants a new contract, 
and has been dissatisfied with the way things have been going in his negotiations with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And let's end our conversation with a couple of two, three things. Now, these aren't exactly contract questions for you, Joel, but they're interesting nonetheless with our Seahawks out here, outside of Clowney, obviously. Let me get your thoughts on three other things going on behind closed doors of Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Antonio Brown, Joel, has clearly struck a friendship with Russell Wilson. Should the Seahawks take a shot on a cheap deal that they can walk away from if there's a problem? And if they do, or any other team does, the NFL still hasn't suspended him for all the behavior last time around because he hasn't been in the NFL. Should we expect an immediate suspension from the NFL for any team that signs him? Yeah, I would think that he's going to get some sort of suspension on the personal conduct policy, uh, first of all. Two, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole because it's like Hurricane Antonio. I would call Mike Tomlin, and hopefully he'd be candid and tell me what I'd be getting into if I had a lot of interest in him Uh, because apparently he did a great job of managing him because uh, none of the stuff really surfaced publicly in terms of his behavior issues because what we saw with the Raiders – I don't think I've seen that before, and don't want to see. I uh, don't want to see it again. <laughs> I'd, I'd stay away from him. Great talent, but do you really want that in your locker room? Okay, Quentin Dunbar mess. This could linger for a long time in the state of Florida if Goodell doesn't put Dunbar and Baker on the exempt list. Joel, he conceivably could play while this whole thing drags out, kind of like Michael Kendricks did here in Seattle, waiting for his sentencing. What, what do you think the Seahawks are thinking? What, what happens with Dunbar as the proceedings are ongoing in Florida? Um, I would have a nice emergency list ready for cornerbacks. Uh, Logan Ryan's still sitting out there. I don't know if necessarily he'd fit what Seattle's trying to do, but I'm surprised he hasn't signed. Um, you're right, the Kendrick... Uh, situation may be a pretty fair analogy, but we'll see if he's available because I know uh, Kendricks uh, was unavailable for part of that first year when he was with Seattle because of the personal conduct discipline. Seems like Goodell's not what he used to be, which is discipline first, ask question later, that because of all the negative publicity going that way, that he's taken a more measured approach and let the legal system start to play out before deciding what to do. Mm-hmm. And finally, the Jamal Adams piece. You did a a nice story, a nice piece of work on CBS Sportsline on Adams. The Seahawks are one of many teams that he's fingered as as a destination. They've kicked the tires on him. Look into your Jamal Adams crystal ball. What happens between him and the Jets? Well, Bill said it best. Why would you trade him? He might be their best player. So um, there have only been two guys who are – actually three now, I should say, out of the 2017 draft class who have signed deals. Patrick Mahomes, Chris McCaffrey, and Miles Garrett. That's about par for the course. Uh, you don't have many more than that signed. And Garrett was the first defensive player since Luke Keekley to sign one. I don't think the Jets give them up unless they get an offer they can't refuse, kind of like uh, the Texans with Laramie Tunsil. So if you want to give up the King's ransom, an arm and a leg, whatever you want to characterize it, for Jamal Adams, and then you're going to have to pay him and probably make him the highest-paid safety in NFL history. And there have been rumblings he doesn't want to be paid like a safety. Getting to $15 million per year, he'd be the first one to ever do that. But if he's also thinking, I want top defensive player money, over $20 million per year, uh, every team should pass on that because <laughs> we haven't had 
a $17 million per year cornerback yet, and cornerbacks make more than safeties. Ah. He's Joel Corey. Read him on CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you get a chance to hear from him more often and not just on radio shows around the country. You get to hear him on his own podcast. It's called Inside the Cap, and it's available wherever podcasts are found. Always kind to us on Mitch Unfiltered. Joel, thank you so, so very much, and good luck with the podcast. We'll talk to you down the line. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. And there's our buddy Joel Corey, who wouldn't touch Antonio Brown, thinks Jadeveon Clowney should go sign with the Tennessee Titans. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that John Schneider can figure out a way to get Clowney back with the Seahawks for another year. I always look forward to my conversations with Jordan Flowers, even the ones on the golf course. Jordan, what's going on with the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage these days? It is busy times right now, Mitch. Everybody is fielding calls left and right, doing pre-approvals for buyers, lowering people's interest rates, helping people get cash for home improvement projects or paying off any debt. It is a busy time. People are setting records. Give us a sense of the real estate inventory, pending sales numbers. Can you tell us where we are in the midst of all this? Yeah, it, uh, it's interesting what's going on right now. We weren't sure how it was going to play out with COVID coming in and uh, what people would be doing with listings and selling their home and buying, but it really has not skipped a beat. Uh, there might have been a little slowdown in March, but every realtor I'm talking to is expecting kind of a second spring market, and we're already seeing that in action. Inventory is sitting at about 1.8 months, which basically means if no new inventory came on, there'd only be about a month and a half of homes that could be purchased. So you're seeing a lot of offers, very competitive situation, prices escalating. So if you are thinking about selling, actually, it would be a great time to connect with your realtor, or if you want to get connected with some of the top realtors in town, please call me and I can connect people with them. It doesn't hurt to find out what the property is worth right now and what you might be able to get for it if you've been thinking about selling and moving somewhere else. It's a great time. And Jordan, if I'm a buyer or if I'm looking at a refinance and I've got great credit, what numbers am I looking at at this moment for a 30-year fixed? Yeah, again, all dependent upon down payment, credit right. scores, but we are looking in the high twos and low threes right now on a 30-year fixed. And if I want to learn more about any of the things that you just talked about, I can call you directly, right? Please call me directly. Somebody will answer in the office, or you can call my cell phone directly. Cell phone is 425-890-2957, and the office line is 425-250-3145. Perfect. That's Jordan Flowers in the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. Unfiltered. Here's the 0-1. Swung on and driven to right field. This is hammered. This has got a chance to go. Thomas back. He leaps. It is gone. Grand slam into the bullpen. Kyle Lewis. Drives it out of here the other way. Here's Gilbert's next pitch. Struck him out. Two are gone. Pretty impressive arm speed. Well, ready or not, here comes the 2020 Major League Baseball sprint of the season. It all begins this week. Corey Brock will be on the Mariners' case for the Athletic. I'm a happy subscriber, and he's back with us here on episode 101. 
and the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Hi, Corey. How are you and your family? Yeah, we're doing well, Mitch. I miss our talks about the Mariners. It seems like it's been forever. Well, it's great to have you back. Let's start with what it's going to be like for you and your world this year. A baseball beat guy during the 60-game season and the pandemic. What kind of anxiety do you guys have? And share with us what your world is going to look like this season. Yeah, I think flexibility is probably the best term to use. You know, we're not going to be traveling uh, I think most reporters are not going to be traveling this year, which, uh, you know, selfishly, I, I'm fine with that. I have a family. I have small children. I'm okay not going to these cities. Uh, and you have to remember, we don't have any access with the manager or players other than Zoom. So uh, it's going to be a lot of home game coverage, uh, watching games on TV, and then asking questions afterwards during our Zoom interviews with the manager and maybe grabbing it a couple guys to talk about the game and other things. So it's going to be a challenge, especially at the athletic where we, you know, we tend to focus more on storytelling more so than the transactional nature of the game and who won, who lost, but it's okay. You know, baseball is back. I I still Mitch, I'm not sure we're going to get all 60 games in. I'm a little leery of that, but it looks like we're going to start on time and they're going to give it a go. So walk me through what it will be like going to a home game. For Corey Brock, you'll go up and sit in the press box like you would normally do. Then the game ends. You're writing your story. They put somebody, they put the manager and the players on some sort of a virtual Zoom conversation from you up in the press box to them down in the clubhouse. Is that right? That's exactly it. Then we just ask our questions and finish our stories and and leave. But the press box experience, Mitch, is no longer, you know, kind of a gab fest with your good friends up there. It's a... you know, social distancing, you need to wear a mask at all times. Uh, they will bring food in, but there's no uh, no ability to walk around the stadium. You're really confined to the press box. So, yeah, it's uh, like I said, yeah, it's the new normal. I, I'm certainly going to miss the old way of doing business and certainly, um, you know, getting a chance to converse with people within the organization that now you have to go through a series of hoops to, yeah. to talk to somebody if you want to talk to someone privately. But you know, again, these are this is small potatoes compared to what we're dealing with as a country, and um, at least we're able to get baseball back, and hopefully we can keep it back. Corey, are members of your world, the media, concerned that this will translate into the future, that there's going to be changes to the system in the future when hopefully we get our arms around this pandemic and we get a vaccine that may be – there'll be limited access compared to what you're used to all these years? Mitch, that's a great question. And this is one I think about an awful lot. And for the general fan, just so you know, we used to get, you know, clubhouse access before games, a couple hours before games, and certainly after games where you're able to go down there and not just talk to players about the performance that night, but during pregame, you're able to strike up conversations, uh, build relationships, maybe pick up on something that you could build into a story. All that's gone now. This has all been replaced by Zoom calls uh, because of the social distancing measures. So the fear is that maybe we won't get that access back again. And there could be, I don't want to say a battle on the horizon for that, but it's something the the Baseball Writers Association of America is going to be watching very closely so that we haven't given up something that we can't get back in the future. Wow. Something to look forward to or not look forward to, as the case may be. So the M's and everyone else will have to get down to 30 to start the season. Are Jerry DePoto and Scott Service picking the 30? Corey 
that give them the best chance to win? Or are they peeking ahead to 2021 and beyond and might be making some long-term decisions at the cost of the short term? Yeah, I think you nailed it right there, Mitch. This is always going to be an evaluation season, uh, regardless of what happened with the pandemic. They want to look at as many young players as they can to sort of make a decision moving forward if these guys are going to be pieces for the future with this team in 2021 and beyond, or maybe they're not going to be fits. And they certainly were looking forward to getting a sample size of greater than 60 games, but this is sort of the cards that we've been dealt here. So again, it'll be an evaluation period. They'll be looking at a lot of young guys and understanding that, there's a lot of young prospects on the way, but we're going to see some really interesting young players this year. Justin Justin Dunn, Justin Sheffield, right. Justin Sheffield, I'm sorry, and uh, Evan White, the first baseman. It's going to be pretty exciting because I think these are the players that the Mariners feel that are going to help kind of move them to that next level beginning in 2021. But we have to see if they could if they hold up. Let's let's begin right there because you mentioned Dunn and Sheffield. We'll start with the rotation, which is going to be a six-man starting rotation. I think a lot of teams will go in that direction to protect their arms, but this is also a desire to see some of these younger pitchers that we've heard so much about all these years. Which way do you think Justice Sheffield is heading? Is he heading up or is he heading down? Yeah, I think he's trending upward. We saw some really good signs from him last year when he came back from the minor leagues. The slider's exceptional. He's added a two-seam fastball that's been very good uh, during this summer camp. And, you know, they thought very highly of this guy, so much so that they traded James Paxton to get him and a couple other players. But they they feel like this guy, a left-hander, could be – you know, a future cog to the ro- rotation and a guy that you have a club control over for several years here. So I think he's trending upward. The best pitching prospect in the organization is Logan Gilbert. I'm assuming you're going to tell us we won't see him this year. We're not going to start the arbitration clock on him, but it might be a good bet that he would be in the rotation to start 2021, correct? Yes. If we, I think, Mitch, if we had a seven-man rotation and we weren't dealing with the financial parameters there of starting his arb clock early, you would see him this year. And actually, you know what? If we had played 162 games, I think there was going to be an opportunity for him to come up because – you know, he maybe could have gotten 10, 12 starts. But at this point, why bother? Just let him uh, mature with the rest of the prospects down in Tacoma where they'll be working out. But I will say, Mitch, he, you know, he pitched on Saturday night, and he looked really good. He's looked good every time out. Four quality pitches, kind of a fearless approach. He's a big-time competitor, uh, studies hitters. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. This is a guy they drafted in the first round of 2018, and he's coming fast. So I think he's part of the rotation in April of 2021. Define really good. Let me put you on the spot. Are we talking ace good? Are we talking two or three starter good in the rotation? How good are we talking about? Yeah, probably two or three starter. Because I will say this, you know, we talk a lot about uh, number one starting pitchers. And, there's just, you know, there's not 30 number one starting pitchers no. in baseball. It's a pretty small elite group. Um, you know, so – but I think, you know, he probably pegs 
as a number two, number three starter, which, you know, you add up enough of those in your rotation, you're going to be just fine. So then again, the sky's sort of the limit for him. I wouldn't, uh, you know, put him in a box just yet from a projection standpoint, but I think, yeah, he's probably uh, in this Mariners rotation, eventually going to be a two or a three, maybe leaning toward a two. Corey, if, if Jerry and Scott had their way, 2021 opening day, if everything goes perfect, Gonzalez, Sheffield, Gilbert, Kikuchi, Dunn, something like that as the starting five in 2021? Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds right. And, you know, I'm still not quite sure what to make of Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, Kendall Graveman's looked really good uh, this training camp. And, you know, they all hold a club option on him for next year. So maybe there's, there's a possibility um, he works his way into the equation too. And there's an out somewhere with Kikuchi. I'd have to look it up, but that's a pivotal year for him because we've seen him very good. Remember he threw that shutout in Toronto right, right. Uh, last summer. Right. And, but there's other times when he's struggling, you know, out there in the second, third inning. So I think he needs to take a step forward. No, Jared Kelnick. This year, no Julio Rodriguez this year. Same story as the Logan Gilbert story. Well, in Rodriguez's case, he's too young. He's not ready. But Kalnick, we don't want to start the, the meter. We don't want to start the taxi meter running too soon. No, because uh, you know that could end up costing you a lot of money down the road. And again, no matter how good this kid's look, he hit a couple home runs a week or so ago in an inter-squad game. And that's great. But, um, you know, he just turned 21 last week. And, you know, he's probably not quite there. Um, part of me, though, Mitch, you know, selfishly, and I'm sure fans kind of look at it this way, too, like, hey, let's turn the kid loose, right? Let's let him play 60 games. Let's see what you got. And I'm sure there's a little bit of an itch there that the Mariners would like to scratch. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to try and be as prudent and as smart as possible with this. But again, this is a guy they see as part of their big league roster in 2021. Let me ask you that question. I know I've asked you this every time you've been on. Of the everyday lineup, whatever you think the everyday lineup is going to be for the Mariners in this 60-game sprint, Corey, give me the guys in that lineup that you think in the in the right world will be a part of the 2021 opening day starting lineup for the Mariners. Yeah, and it's actually pretty encouraging. I think your two catchers, Tom Murphy, yep. Austin Nola, I think fit in uh, with this team moving forward, even though they're not really prospects. I think they're uh, very good players and can help. Evan White, certainly at first base. Uh, he's a rookie. They signed that signed him to that long six-year contract. He's going to be here for a while. J.P. Crawford at short. Um, the third base, they're going to have to figure out because uh, uh, with Kyle Seeger, um, you know, this could be his last year. But then moving to the outfield, Kyle Lewis, who we saw some great things from in September and even in this summer camp, he's been very good. And then, you know, guys like Jake Fraley potentially has a spot. A guy I really like that's performed well in Arizona and during the summer camp is Tim Lopes. I think he could be he could be in the lineup on uh, for the season opener against the Astros. You can move him around. He has some flexibility. So there are some potential future cogs uh, that could be here for a long time. They're just going to have to show that they're completely ready to make that jump and show that they could be productive, even if it's over the course of a 60-game season. Did I read the words Rookie of the Year candidate in one of the recent Corey Brock athletic pieces as it pertains to Kyle Lewis? Did my eyes deceive me on that? I went there, Mitch. Yes, <laughs> you are not uh, seeing things. 
I, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's 60 games. I don't know what this looks like at the end, but this kid's raw power and his athletic ability, um, you know, remember he was a first-round pick. His career kind of got off to a slow start because of some injuries, but he's been very good, and he showed us uh, signs of that last September. He's been very good all spring, all summer during these workouts, and I think he's just ready to break out. Now, I think he's going to strike out a little bit, and you kind of have to live with that, and I think most people around the game – have learned to kind of live with the strikeouts now in lieu of production on the other end. But I think he's got big raw power. He could hit the ball out the other way. He could run. He could throw. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Of my maybe top three guys that I'm really looking forward to watching in 2020, he's right at the top of the list. And, and also on that list is the aforementioned Evan White. So if your boss at the Athletic, Corey, said to you, I want a piece from you on statistical predictions – and let's just assume it was over a you know a 600 at bat season. Tell me what you think Evan White and Kyle Lewis would be in a full 162 regular season, assuming health, assuming that they played whatever it was 135, 140 games, whatever it is. What do you think these guys are at the plate? Yeah, okay. I'll start with Lewis. Uh, over a full season, let's say, um, I would say maybe 255. 23 homers, 70 RBIs. Like a number six hitter in in the yeah. uh, somewhere like that in a good lineup, he'd be a six hitter in a good lineup. Yeah, I'd slide him down so maybe he gets some better pitches to hit. But okay. yeah, in a okay. good lineup, yep. you'd hit him a little bit lower. Yeah. Okay. Uh, White, I like White a lot. I would say 270, 18, and 65 uh, with the power emerging. I think he's just beginning to tap into some of this launch angle stuff. He's a physically, he's a much different player now than he was when they drafted him a couple years ago. I think we're going to see some great things from, from Evan white. We've talked about his gold glove caliber defense for so long, but I tell you what, his bat is really catching up. And I think people are going to see that. It feels like they've got some good young pieces offensively and in the lineup, but that the health of the organization right now is on the mound. And if I've got that right, is Jerry going to start wheeling and dealing during the offseason and maybe willing to part with some of the young arms so that they can bring back kind of an all-star caliber middle-of-the-lineup hitter for the Mariners? Or does that depend on what we see over 60 games this year? You're absolutely right. I've told people this all along, regardless of you know 60 or 162, that the Mariners are going to know exactly what they are and what maybe what they can be on October 1st, because by then you're going to be able to draw some sort of conclusions on these young players and what they're going to be able to give you. And it will provide you a path for the off season in terms of what you need to do to augment that roster. So let's say pie in the sky completely here, Mitch, right? All these guys hit. I'm talking about Evan White. I'm talking about Kyle Lewis. The young pitchers look really good. And you arrive at the end of the season on October 1st. You probably haven't made the playoffs, but you've done enough good things to lead you to believe that in 2021 you could really make a run at this thing. Um, Then, By then, you you should be able to decide, okay, we need to go out and get X or X. You know, we need to go get another starting pitcher. We need to go get another bat. And then you look at your minor league inventory and say – hey, we've done a really good job of adding pieces here, pieces that other teams are going to like. Um, You know, accumulating all these prospects is great. And inevitably, you want to bring the best ones to the big leagues. 
and provide some organizational depth. But, uh, you know, there's a small fraction of those guys who are going to end up elsewhere that you could use uh, as commodities to gain some bigger pieces. So I think that's where Seattle is going to be moving forward. So I think on October 1st, we're going to have a clear idea exactly which direction they're going to go. Last question. Any whispers in and around the organization on how close they think the Georgia pitcher that they picked in the top of the draft, very high up in the draft, how long he'll need to be Major League Baseball ready? We had his pitching coach on our podcast, and he said, man, he's close right now. He probably could get big leaguers out right now but he's obviously biased any any idea what the mariners are thinking behind closed doors i you know this could be a guy and again he would have gotten a small fraction of innings they would have been careful about his innings uh this summer he would have pitched for everett maybe pitched 20 30 innings tops to answer your question i think maybe two years maybe two years in the minor leagues and he's going to develop his own. He's going to tell you when he's ready based on the results and based on his stuff. But, you know, I I see no reason why that in 2022, the Mariners uh, couldn't be looking at him in some capacity in their rotation. All right. Your six-year-old twins look up and they say, dad over under 25 out of 60 for the Mariners this year. 25 and 35, assuming they get all 60 in. I know that you have reservations about that. Over or under 25 wins for the Mariners out of 60? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm gonna say under. It may be slightly under. It may be 23, 24. But, yeah, I think they're going to finish under that mark. Okay. Corey Brock, you got to read him on Twitter. You got to read him in The Athletic. I do. You can follow him on Twitter. I think it's Corey Brock, C-O-R-E-Y-B-R-O-C-K-M-L-B. On Twitter, he's always kind to us here on Mitch Unfiltered. It's great to visit with you, and thanks for doing it again. We'll reach out down the line. Let's see how this thing goes, these 60 games. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, thanks again, Mitch. So the Major League Baseball season is here. Unlike anything we've ever seen before, most experts agree that if an inferior club was ever going to make an unexpected run, this would be the season. Although Corey Brock of The Athletics saying there, that the Mariners are viewing this 60-game stretch as kind of a tryout of sorts to set themselves up for 2021 and beyond. So let's catch up with my guy, the CEO of Evergreen Golf Call, Tyler Hay is with us. Tyler, thanks for being back. Are you guys slowly back to normal now and returning to the offices? You know, it's been kind of an interesting time for everybody, I'm sure. But for Evergreen, it's been challenging to both manage dealing with your home life, your family life, your work life. But one silver line that's come out of this is the use of technology for us. We've been pushing our clients and begging them to do virtual meetings for years. And there's been kind of a pushback. No, I'll come in the office. I'd like to see you guys. And, And so in some ways, this has actually advanced our ability to communicate in a little bit more efficient way for clients. So, no, that's been, that's I guess that's a silver lining if I could find one. You know, it's really a confusing financial time, Tyler, for so many. What kinds of questions are your team being asked by your clients and those of us without managers? What should we be asking ourselves? The thing that we probably get asked the most is how do we play this COVID world? Should we be buying airlines? Should we be buying hotels? Should we be buying casino stocks, the ones that have been battered? And I think there's a lot of people that are looking for opportunity because it's obviously presented itself through volatility in the markets. On the flip side, you have other clients saying, how do I avoid things like airlines? How do I avoid things like hotels? How do I avoid stuff that's going to be negatively impacted by by COVID-19? And I think 
probably the hardest thing is the answer is I don't know. Right. I mean, if something was to come out, a vaccine, a therapeutic, you know, you'd want to invest one way. If it doesn't come out for years, you'd want to invest another. And so I think that being diversified and also being nimble is probably the best tool investors could be using. Which brings us to your newsletter. I saw just this morning a likes and dislikes piece on your website. Tell everybody about this free newsletter that's available on a weekly basis and and its origin. Sure. So we write it every Friday and so 52 times a year. And it's really effective for two things. One, if you're having trouble sleeping and you want some heavy financial literature to read, it can really be a great sleep aid. (laughs) And then second, for people that follow the markets and are looking for kind of some guidance and some perspective, we think that we try to to give people some tools to help make decisions around their portfolios. What is the best way to figure out whether a wealth manager is a good idea for us, Tyler, and in particular, Evergreen Golf Call? Sure. I mean, I think that there are kind of two questions that people should ask when they're thinking about, do I need a wealth manager? The first one is, do you have the time to do it yourself? It's not a hobby, right? It's people's real money. And I think that it takes a kind of a full-time commitment to it. So first, do you have the time? And then the second question is really, do you have the aptitude to do it? And I think that those are the two questions that people should be asking. If the answer to either one of those is no, then I think you should be calling a wealth manager. And when you're calling a wealth manager or, or someone to help you out, I think probably one of the questions that people should be asking is, how have you done in in up markets? How have you done in down markets? I think that there's a tendency for someone to say, hey, show me your performance. And, you know, you thought about somebody who's managing money the last 10 years pre-COVID-19, everybody looked pretty good. So I think trying to evaluate somebody and how they've done through kind of a full, what we call a full market cycle is probably the best way to do it. And the first step for you guys is to go to evergreengk.com and fill out the client compatibility survey. Is that right? Exactly. That helps us figure out what type of investor they are and if they're suited for kind of wealth management. I mean, I think that, you know, we're pretty honest with people and have said to people, you know, you're not really a candidate. Either you have, like you said, the skill to do it yourself or something like that. So we really try to find clients that are good fits. Tyler Hay, the CEO of Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Okay, three interviews in the books, episode 100, including a real-life hero in our midst. I loved chatting with Philip Blanks. Caught that boy. If you haven't seen it, I'll tweet it out. I'll throw it on the Facebook page of Mitch Unfiltered. He caught that boy, dropped from a third floor of a fiery building, and now that boy is going to go on and have a hopefully a nice long life and be an adult, yep. and these two will be connected for the rest of their lives. What a bond those two must Unbelievable. have. Unbelievable. Uh, graduations, really? he should be there for all of it, right? Incredible. I mean, did he ever think of all the footballs he's caught practicing, getting his hands up, you know, getting his hands right, they would ever come in handy? The, according oh. to him, the, the boy was literally on his way down. He like was cartwheeling. Cartwheeling, or, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. All right. Other stuff. I'll start. I'll get the bell ready. Let's do it. Uh, a little email. Hey, Mitch, enjoyed episode 100. Good. And all the rest of your episodes. The Antonio Brown thing is a no-brainer for the Seahawks. Sign him to a small deal with very little money guaranteed. If he's a shithead, cut him. If he behaves because it's his last chance, 
than hoist the Lombardi trophy and have a parade. Bob and Olympia. <laughs> well, didn't you say it's less about him being a shithead because you're not really beholden to him? It's more about what he did in the past. and whether yes. we can. do you want that? Yeah. Do you want to put your arm around that and give that another chance? Right. Now, if you say no, well, then you got to explore the other people that are already on this team and have been on this team. Right. I mean, there are... There are people that have been on this team, players that have been very, very important pieces in this team that have had domestic violence in their background. That, that he would not be the first one if he, if he, if that, if he's guilty of anything in that regard. But anyway, uh, dear Mitch, you've got to be kidding me. Antonio Brown is a whacked out cancer who no one wants in their building. Period. Tyler Lockett and Antonio Brown in the same wide receivers room? Impossible. I'd rather lose without him than win with him. Signed, Tyler in Bellingham. Mitch, re-Antonio Brown from episode 100. If Russell vouches for him, I say give it a shot. Something tells me that if we went player by player, looking into their past transgressions, it might be difficult to field a team. Dean in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, I knew we were big there. We are big in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Confirmed. Some Antonio Brown reaction from episode 100. Any more fire with that? Any more anything? Any more videos come out? Or no. It was it was hot for a minute, wasn't it? Well, him it was hot Russell. because because Russell and him yeah. were working out together in California, like on a daily basis, or at least on a somewhat regular basis. They both were sending out videos of each other with their arms around oh, yeah. each other, not social distancing. No, they were not. By the way, I was up at the cabin with my friend. We're social distancing. We're trying to get the barbecue going. He's blowing on one side of the coals. I'm blowing on the other side of the coals. And finally realize we're like blowing on each other, like doing the, the last thing you're supposed to be doing is blowing your breath For on each other. For some reason, as you tell me that story, <laughs> I think of, talk about stream of consciousness near. Yeah. As you tell me you're blowing one way, he's blowing the other. Yeah. It reminds me of the old Sanford and Son show. Did you, did you ever watch oh, Sanford yeah, and yeah. Son as a kid? Yeah, yeah. They really wanted this piece of junk, this this auctioned off. They went to an, a fancy auction. George and Lamont. Remember his son? Well, didn't they live at a junkyard? Didn't they run a junkyard? Yeah, they run okay, a junkyard. Yeah, yeah. They really wanted to buy this piece. <laughs> okay. And it was, you know, it was Red Fox playing this, uh, Fred G. Sanford. Yeah. And it was and it was um, his son, whoever was playing yeah, yeah. his son. And they went to this auction. I don't know why I'm thinking about this. <laughs> Not even that funny. But they went to this auction. They really wanted this item. And Lamont, the son, was in the back. And... Fred G. Sanford, Red Fox was in the front, oh. and they were just bidding against each other. They didn't even know it. <laughs> Nobody wanted it. <laughs> they could have got the only it. Two. And J- Fred G. That's Sanford funny. wasn't looking at the guy in the back. He's like, "Son of a Who bitch! Is this guy? I'm going after. I'm going to get it." And then the two of them were. And it turns out they paid like just astronomical. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's, That's really you funny. You two trying to blow. Anyway, speaking of Russell uh, Wilson, Antonio Brown. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's an odd couple. It's an odd couple. Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown. But I like the guy who emailed you said, I would let Russell vouch. If, if, if Russell's cool with it, I'm cool with it. I'm less worried about how he's going to act. It's more trying to get over some of the stuff that's still fresh in my mind that he said and that he did. That's well, my I, biggest hang up. But hold on a second. I want to make sure that I'm clear about my feelings on this. Yeah. What I said to you is, I'm good and concerned about how he's going to behave. Oh, you are? Yeah. But I was saying that's not a reason not to, not to sign him to a non-guaranteed contract because you can just cut him. Right. I'm not suggesting that I believe he's going to be like a saint. He may be he may be a terrible influence in the law. You may want to get rid of him immediately. I'm saying I wouldn't not sign him okay. because I'm afraid of what he's going to do because I know if I sign him to the right contract, I'll just he's, out with yeah. the bathwater. Right. If, if I'm not signing him because I don't approve of his life and his choices, well, that's a different story altogether, and I get that. 
that's just a slippery slope. I mean, you know, you can't have it. Yeah. You got to be careful about. It. Now he's he's crazy. I mean, he's a lunatic. The fact that <laughs> I mean, you remember the feet thing, the feet and the chamber and the and the helmet thing. He wasn't going to wear the helmet. Right. I mean, this goes way beyond the like video of him sprinting out his backyard after he got cut yeah, and I mean, flip flops. I mean, he's just a, he's just he's nuts. Yeah. But the fact that Russell Wilson has taken a liking to him. That just straight. Anyway, Russell's a good man. You know, he does that kind of stuff. The NFL's biggest stars are speaking out days before they're set to report to training camp for another season. And they're all saying kind of the same thing. This isn't safe yet. And this this isn't me spreading my liberal rhetoric like I've been accused of on a daily basis on the show. But you do. I do, yes. On Sunday, (laughs) players like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, J.J. Watt, Odell Beckham, many players. What is it? Hashtag. We want to play. We want to play. But they're worried about the conditions and the protocols. Russell said himself, I'm concerned my wife is pregnant. NFL training camp is about to start. And there is still no plan on player health and family safety. We want to play, but we also want to protect our loved ones. Well, the NFL has been the one league from the beginning. Call them what you want. They've been consistent. They were not going to be denied the draft. Remember the draft? Yeah, it was great. And free agency. We all thought, oh, you got to suspend free agency. It's not a good look with guys making $100 million contracts when everybody's losing their job. They didn't care. Nope. They're going full. The draft, you know, the draft, even though you're going to keep it in-house and you're going to be in the basement of Roger Goodell, maybe we shouldn't have the draft during such an uncertain time in America. They were having the draft. Yeah, they did. And now they are... They are having training camp. They are they are just they are looking COVID nineteen in the eyes, and maybe there's a lot of Republicans out there that are thrilled about it, yeah. and it's fine. And maybe there's a lot of Democrats who can't believe it. It's fine, um, but they are staring COVID nineteen in the eye and going, "We're not we're not we're not scared of you. Yeah, we're doing our thing." And look, what I mean, you, you, no matter where you are politically on this, there is no denying. That there are going to be a there is going to be a rash of positive tests for COVID in the NFL. Yep. I don't think there's any question about. It. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in in bars. We've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in the NHL. MLS we've seen it in baseball. <laughs> yeah. We've seen it in MLS. We've yep. seen it ever. Look, the NFL is not going to get together and play football and not have a rash of COVID nineteen cases. Now, the question is, is anybody going to get really sick? That's the question, yes. Is anybody going to infect an older member of the front office and an older member of the front office is going to get really sick and die? Yeah. Uh, or you know, an older coach. You a know. coach. Yeah. Or if that's what I'm saying. Front oh, office. front office. Coach, yeah, yeah. whatever. Somebody in the organization yeah. uh, is... I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the percentages say somebody in the NFL, some fraternity member of the NFL, player, coach, GM, salesperson, VP, you know, somebody is going to get really sick, like really sick and be on a ventilator. And then what? And then does the NFL say, hey, we continue, we forge we forge ahead. Yeah. Because before there was COVID-19, there were other ways other our guys could get sick. And people get sick all the time, and that's just the way it is. Maybe that's the way the NFL is just approaching this. So, I don't know. You know those masks players wore in the 90s? And I think some still wear, like Cam Chancellor wore the, the, the mask under his face mask. The, the, yeah, like a... It tinted. Like my car windows? Yeah, it looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way to extend that down in front of the mouth. I wonder if that would do anything to help spread it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because right now it cuts off at about, you know, just under the eyes. 
Yeah. And I wonder if you could extend that down if that would help. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of ways Maybe to, they should. I don't know. To help spread it. Wait, let's make it and fabricate it and we'll sell it to them. Are you loving the Dak Prescott coverage? Are you, ty- are you Dak Prescotted out at all? I am a little Dak Prescotted out. And by the way, before you get into the story, a friend yeah, it's not of, a story. A friend of it's mine. An opinion. You know how you love looking at people and going, oh, you look like so-and-so. Like, you think you're really good at spotting, like, oh, look at this guy. He looks just like... I don't think I'm very good at it. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> I am very good okay. at it. In I- fact, not only are my, am I unbelievable at telling you who looks like who... Yes, you are. No one is better than actually spotting the real people. Oh, really? Me. I have an unbelievable sense. I have an unbelievable radar. Boom! Ray Romano's over on your left in a crowd. <laughs> Someone can, just said can, that about you, too. <laughs> Go on. I'm done. I have a friend that I graduated, or well, I went to high school with, one of my best friends. It's, he doesn't sort of look like Dak Prescott. He is Dak Prescott. It's the most uncanny resemblance. Really? Really? But I got to get a picture of him when he's 25. And I'm going to bring it in. You're gonna, it's it's going to blow your mind. By the way, that friend is also, uh, his brother-in-law is Richie McKay, who we had on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Small world. So there you go. Anyway, Dak Prescott. I'm Dak. I, I I have. I don't know even how I want to go there because I'm Dak Prescotted out, and I'm not doing any anybody any favors. That's also Dak Prescotted <laughs> yeah. out because I'm now going to talk about Dak Prescott. But before I get away with that, do you want me to give you one? You me, were you at the rate? Nah, were you at the radio station? Were you at Cube? You must have been at Cube when we had a guy by the name of Josh Sabrowski. Yes. Can you picture Josh Sabrowski? Yeah, I think he and I may have butted heads one time. Oh. Yeah, I can picture oh, yeah. him. Yeah, can yeah. you picture him? Yeah, yeah. Glasses, maybe? And... No, no, no. Forget it. No, I. he had glasses. I swear to you. I can totally picture maybe him. Maybe he was wearing fake glasses Board or something. Up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally Josh know. Josh Sabrowski. Yeah. Before Bryson DeChambeau, who we talk about all the time. You said yeah. you wanted to talk about the Hawk. Oh, yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. From episode 100. Before he put on all his weight, dead ringer. Oh, is that right? Josh Sabrowski. Interesting. Bryson. Anyway, nobody, nobody totally. knows who Bryson DeChambeau is, but nobody knows who Josh Sabrowski <laughs> right. is. Uh, anyway, do I want to do the Dak Prescott? But I thought he was franchise. It's kind of a done deal, like for, at least for the one-year deal. He's What's getting it? like the 31, 32 yeah, yeah. million, and he's yeah, – it just – I just can't help but think that if Dak Prescott – and by the way, I want to say this, not about your friend, the cousin of Richie McKay, uh, who looks like him. Yeah. Dak Prescott strikes me as a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear him in an interview situation, I like him. I mean, I really like him. As a, I don't know him, but he seemed yeah. he strikes me as a really good guy. So all the all the, but it just, I, I think he's a, I think he's like an okay to good quarterback. Oh, and we're, we're, we're and I and it, apparently it, Jerry it, Jones it, does it feel, too. It, feel, <laughs> it feels like. That if he were the same player on any other team but the Dallas Cowboys, oh, like yeah. if he was a okay to good, the same quarterback with the same stats that he has, let's say in Tennessee or in Miami, San or, Diego, or on a, let's let's make it even better. Let's make it a better comparison. Okay. Somebody who's had the same success of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have been okay. They haven't been great. Mm-hmm. So let, the Minnesota Vikings have kind of been okay, but not great. There, if he were the why do I feel like this is all because he's the mm. Dallas Cowboys quarterback? That's interesting. Is he even one of the top 10 quarterbacks <laughs> in the league? I mean, now he's younger, so you'd probably want him before you'd want Tom Brady. But if you went down the list of quarterbacks, how many would you list off for this coming season yeah. that you'd rather have than Dak Prescott? It feels like maybe I don't watch the Cowboys enough. I think I do. I got a lot of TVs. Yeah, He's good. They win a little. But 
literally every single day did Dak sign? Are they going to get him done? Is Jerry going to get it done? Are they going to do a lot? Is it going to be a Pat Mahomes contract? Is he going to play for the 31 million or not? Oh my God. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like the, we're talking about the 10th best quarterback or the 12th best quarterback in the league like this. It would be funny to, to go down. We didn't even talk at- like this about Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. That wasn't a foregone conclusion. When Aaron Rodgers yeah. is, I mean, right. you know, we, we're talking about Dak Prescott. <laughs> right, yeah. Like in, in my Allen Iverson voice, practice, you know, <laughs> Dak Prescott? I mean, it's Dak Prescott. He's right. good. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. I think his age definitely f- plays into this a lot. And that he's on the Cowboys. But yeah, it sounds like Jerry Jones is like, I don't know, I'm going to keep looking around. If you're, I'm not going to make you the highest paid player in the league. Wow. That's what it feels like to me. All right. Trevor Lawrence. Getting married. Heisman hopeful in 2020. He's been dating Marissa Mowry Very since, pretty. since early 2016 and decided to pop the question at Memorial Stadium in Clemson they, on Friday. They actually got engaged on the field, and th- there's only one thing that bothers me about this story. I had it on mine, too. Okay. Is that he's not marrying the girl that looks just like him that did the TikTok. Oh. Now, you've, have you seen <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. That, I love that. <laughs> if you haven't, now I know, uh, maybe, I don't know what portion of our audience does TikTok. I don't do TikTok. No, no, we, we're but not I, supposed so, to. It ends up, it ends up somewhere on Twitter. It ends up getting, yeah, yeah. making the rounds, these TikTok yeah. things. But you got to, if you haven't seen the Trevor Lawrence, the girl who looks like Trevor Lawrence. It's great. The, they, look exact, they look like twin brother, sister. She replicated his poses. Yeah. Like they would put a picture of him on and then she would be on her TikTok <laughs> doing the same. It was great. If they would have gotten married, now that would have been a hell of a story. We would know exactly what the kids are going to look exactly like. exactly right. <laughs> This feels kind of young to me, though. 20? Oh, uh, way too young. I don't know why he these guys, like Russell Wilson. He's going to be the number one player in the draft. Right. Picking the draft. I know. And look how that worked out for Russell Wilson's college girlfriend. You remember that? Remember how excited she was on I draft day? Her. Yeah. Uh, all that preparation led to a separation. Oh, boy. Yeah. So be careful out there. I don't know why <laughs> they have. Separation led to a separation. <laughs> you know, he always says that. Yeah. Uh, the separation is the preparation. Oh, God. The other way around. So I don't know, just be careful, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Marissa. But. You know, the, the NBA is about to uh, restart in Orlando at Disney World. Yes. I thought this was a joke when I first read it, but apparently it's not. And it's led to a lot of fun. There is actually what they call an NBA snitch hotline where players oh, are no. encouraged to call a hotline if they see anybody not not living by the protocols set forth by the NBA, not social distancing, doing something that they're not supposed to. NBA players like LeBron James is supposed to call a snitch hotline. They don't call it the snitch hotline. They call it the NBA hotline or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're supposed to complain and register a complaint that, hey, I saw a guy from the Denver Nuggets, not social. Di- you know, you're supposed to complain about your brother in the NBA. That's not This is actually happen. true. Okay. It's a true a line you There's can legit There's an actual call. line. So it, I guess it inspired this comedian <laughs> – to do a video okay, that kind of takes a little shot, and I'd like to play a little of that for All you right. right now. I think that you might enjoy it. Here it is. Yellow NBA bubble snitch line. Go ahead. <laughs> you saw J.R. Smith with how much Hennessy? <laughs> no, I just didn't know it came by the gallon. You saw Kuzma taking a selfie where? Well, he knows he can't be there. Taco's doing bike tours? <laughs> how do I get in on that? Wait, someone's deadlifting in their room at 3 a.m.? Someone's running suicides in the hallways? Someone's doing box jumps in the conference room? Give me Jimmy Butler's room number right now, please. All the blue check marks are down? Well, can't you just use your burner? Yeah. Sure you don't. 
Okay, we'll get right on that. Thank you. Hey, did you know the Wizards are here? No, no, no. Mr. Smith should not be sharing his soup with any assistant coaches. No. Coach Pop is scouting Tigger? Yes, and Mr. Waiters should not be sharing his gummy bears. Giannis was making threes at practice? That is terrifying. No, absolutely not. No flu games. No, no, no. I know that Jordan did it. Yes? Yeah. Look, you're, you're going to have to figure out a different way to become the GOAT, okay? We cannot rename the ride. It's a flat world. <laughs> Wait, are you even in the bubble? Austin Rivers prank calling your room sounds like a family issue to me. <laughs> is there any way we can get a dedicated Lakers line? Yes, but fighting Goofy isn't against the rules, so uh, I think the Lopez brothers are probably clear on this. <laughs> no, we, we do not advise listening to anything Kelly Oubre says. The Patriots are doing what? Yeah, this is the NBA <laughs> That's a different number. I love that. That's, uh, that's so great. Yeah, if there was an NFL one, people would be blowing that up about the Patriots. That's really funny. I love that. Great idea. Uh, the guy's name is... Uh, the quarantine has brought out some... Cre- you're starting to see a lot of creativity in people. give the guy credit where yeah. credit is due, but I don't have his name at the top of my head. Anyway, there's there's a little a little comic relief on the NBA snitch hotline Hilarious. in... Uh, in Orlando. There's something I love about the teen spirit that's always been there since teens have been around, I guess. But there's a trend going around on TikTok, speaking of TikTok, that shows teens purchasing booze after covering their face with masks, putting on wigs, and wearing old people clothes. So they've found a way to use this mask to their advantage because you can't really see what they look like. Yeah. You know, you have to wear it. But then they'll put on like a gray wig and maybe some old people's clothes and they're, they're buying booze. Again, I'm not for underage drinking. I just I like the spirit of people trying to buck the system. It made me laugh. All right. I have la- I have two last ones and then you can uh, take us out. I'm sure you've got something that you'd like to end the show with. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. We'll see. Uh, I've got two last ones. You took Trevor Lawrence getting married. Did you see that a LeBron James rookie card was auctioned off for one point eight? million dollars is that right a a basketball a basketball card 1.8 million dollars and then also the toronto blue jays are becoming we think the buffalo blue jays for the year canadian federal government says you're not allowed to play your home games here we don't want people coming here we don't want teams coming here we don't want you guys leaving interesting whatever you can't play home games here crowd no crowd and now they're looking for a place it starts like on Friday, I guess. By the time people hear this, it'll probably already be resolved. Yeah. But at the time of our uh, that I read this, people were saying Buffalo because Buffalo is where their Triple A team is. Oh, okay. So they could be the Buffalo Ray, uh, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Buffalo Blue Jays. The Buffalo Blue Jays. And it, 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 it could be a <laughs> it could be a small park because there's no fans, right? So what does right. it matter? Doesn't matter. Just find us a they diamond. Play in a high school place. That's right. They could. <laughs> the fences are probably a little closer, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Find the right high school place. <laughs> That's what are you gonna do? <laughs> All right, is that it for you? That's it for me. I, this was now. Were you a fan of the show The Golden Girls? No. Okay, I, I would have lost a lot of money on that bet. I thought that's a show you would have liked. No, I, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot. I've giggled at it, but I wouldn't say that I was a fan of it. No. Okay. Well, the house. Is she the, still alive, Betty? Betty White. Betty White still, still alive. alive. Yeah. Is Maude still alive? No, she's no, not. Alive. B. Arthur's Maude, no, B. Arthur's Maude. Maude. No. B. Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, <laughs> oh, a big smoker. Yeah. But the house that they use for the external shots of that show is yeah. um, up for sale in Los Angeles for $3 million. So if you're a big fan of the Golden Girls, you can buy yeah. the Golden Girls house. I'll pass. I, <laughs> I thought 
thought you'd be a fan. You'd love all I'd that stuff. I'd rather the house <laughs> over the LeBron card. The LeBron card is just a little less expensive. Just a little 1. bit, 1.8 yeah. million. Ugh. All right, you ready for this? By the way, was that supposed to be a moderate shot when you said was I a fan that you would have expected that I'd be a fan of the Golden Girls? Was it what did I did I not get like a, a veiled criticism right there? Did it go over well, my head? I like, you... I like the show. Okay, so you liked it more than I did. Yeah. But just, All right, I... so there wasn't so you weren't really trying to say something about me. Well, I was kinda. Trying you to say it? It? Well, why don't you just say it? Well, that's it seems like a show you would like. I don't know why. I just feel like you would like you like old people. Remember we talked about this? You have a real thing for old people. So I thought maybe you would have really dug that show, you know? Yeah, I like old people. Yeah. And you enjoy knowing when old people die. That's true. That's the difference between you and me. <laughs> so which group would you like to be a part of, folks? That's right. Would you like to be on my side? I revere the generation before me, or would you like to be on his side? Oh, look at that. Somebody died. Let me send it out. Yeah, I mean, let me send Mitch a text. You know instantly if you hang around me when people die. So at least you're in the know before everybody. The, the Adam Schefter of RIPs. <laughs> That's right. All right, police in Florida. Uh-oh. Of course, Florida. Always Florida. Dade County, Florida. Every show. <laughs> Broward County, Florida. Come on. Seal Levy's living in Broward County, I know. Florida. Police in Florida allege that Danica Shanice Mays, 29. Who, 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 who? Her name is Danica Shanice Mays. 29. Battered her boyfriend of four years last Wednesday afternoon during a confrontation in their Ooh. Tampa area apartment, and she's been arrested on felony battery charge. Was his name Lionel... It was not Lionel. Richie? No, it was not. Okay. The victim told police that he discovered that his vehicle's tires had been slashed. Uh, That's no good. No. Yeah, so adding that she admitted to the vandalism. Now, while waiting for the tow truck to come, she started arguing with her boyfriend again and began striking the victim with open hands as he continuously backed away. Like, I'm not going to hit you. you got to stop this. Right. Here we go. At one point, <laughs> Mays allegedly grabbed the clothed victim's private parts. She did so with such force that it removed the skin from the entirety of the victim's right testicle, wrote Officer oh. Colin Bolton. Oh. She admitted to grabbing him there and was arrested and booked into the county jail. Yeah, there you go. Be careful, everyone, with who you fight out there. I mean, it's not even Christmas time and people are already cracking open nuts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the victim was quoted as saying, this isn't the first time she's been testy. <laughs> Mays told police she's unclear how it all went so wrong. I mean, the day before, they spent time at the beach where they had a ball. <laughs> In addition to the battery count, Mays was also charged with initially providing cops with the fake name, adding a whole new wrinkle to this case. Sources close to the couple say the man has already started training for the Tour de France. <laughs> Lance Armstrong catching unnecessary shit for some reason, but there you go. Uh, now, Steve yeah. Dion sent some in because sa he said, I want to try my hand at this. You're kidding. No. Do you want me to give you a couple of his real quick? Yeah. What? Is this? Are you really? Yeah, he did. He, he's like, he says he wants to try it. He feels left out. Yeah. So I, okay. I sent him the link and I'll, I'll give you a couple. All right. Okay. And you can sniff for him if you'd like. Okay. All right. Okay. The victim's biggest regret during the altercation was telling oh, her. Oh, so he's, 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 he's. I okay. sent him the link to the story, so oh, okay. he knows the story. He didn't story. come up with the story. His own, he, I thought you said he wanted to come up with his own story. No, he wants to come up with his own jokes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jokes? I didn't think those were jokes. I thought, <laughs> they, were, I thought that was serious. It was dead serious. Yeah, sorry. You're now telling me, you're <laughs> telling me those are jokes this whole, this time. whole time? Yeah, it's all right. Okay, go ahead. The victim's biggest regret during the altercation was telling her to get a grip. She is hopeful a family member will provide the sack of money needed for her bond. Even though the couple has a two-year-old, any objective person would say she's the biggest handful in the family. 
<laughs> this altercation will certainly tear the two apart. You know? Not too shabby, you huh? No, maybe better than yours. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Come on, they had a ball. It's all the uh, same. Maybe you should book the shows and let him write the shows. Yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, maybe we should switch. That's okay, it. Okay, very good. Nothing else. Um, that's it? I think that's it, yeah. Good enough on episode 101 with no pressure? I had no pressure on it. I did see uh, adults are outraged about Madden rankings for individual yeah, players. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, part yeah. of me loves adults getting outraged by this. It's like, good God, everybody. Just don't take a leak in a Verizon <laughs> store over That's this. Right. It's not worth Jeez it. Louise. All right, episode 101, episode 101. Yes. We are now into triple digits. Thank you to the patrons. Thanks to all of you who are not patrons that listen from time to time. We so much appreciate your support of Mitch Unfiltered. There it is. Episode 101 is in the books. 